All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twoodwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twoodwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 145 in full swing, full motion. And God damn, are we so excited to be here, guys. We're finally going to be talking an upcoming Chiefs game. It feels like an eternity since we've been able to do that. Whether you're live streaming, whether you're podcasting or YouTube, we want to thank you for being a part of what we do here at the Spoken Podcast. We literally could not and would not do it without you guys so we want to thank you so much for being a part of this for as long as you guys have been with us we want to thank you for that man we uh, we've had ourselves a, a fun-filled uh, uh uh last few minutes we had ourselves uh, a guest lined up one of our good friends former chiefs uh tight end and a guy that does his own show at chief concerns mr jason dunn he was actually lined up and ready to go for the second week in a row to be with us this week but unfortunately he's had some family matters to attend to guys he had an emergency uh, uh just come up within the last 15 20 minutes and he contacted us and let us know he's not gonna be able to be on the show today we definitely appreciate him letting us know because some people have big timed us in the past before we didn't know what the hell happened we just kind of had to figure it out on the fly but he's our guy and we appreciate him we hope everything is going well with his family and he promises he'll be back with us guys next week he was he was so nice man he was actually just trying to do a phone conversation with us on the way to where he had to go i said don't worry about that man we'll be here we're not going anywhere and we know you're not either so we just wish jason dunn and his family nothing but the best and we will definitely be talking some football with him next week and we just hope everything's going good with them but i want to start somewhere this week guys first of all i i don't mean to sound hyperbolic when i say that but it has been rough without chiefs football i i did not think after the first six seven weeks of football that i'd be sitting here feeding for chiefs football in week 13 as they take this bye week and it has felt like an eternity man not having chiefs football to talk about i know it's felt that way for you guys and we've been trying to hold the fort down for you during this time but here we are and we're about to talk about the chiefs and broncos preview we're going to get to that in a second we got the eddie hour we got some new things that i want to add to the show that i want to announce to you guys as well as the show progresses but i want to start with the afc picture as a whole we are now at that time of the season where it is starting to shape up to what the playoffs are currently looking like and where it actually starts to matter, where seeding is becoming realistic. You look at the final few games of the season, how you think this team's going to fare, how you think things are going. And the question now, because of the fact that the AFC has been so wide open, is, is I don't think it's no longer who's the face of the AFC or who's the favorite out of the AFC. It's who's going to survive the AFC. Because it just feels like one team rises one week and the next week it's another team and this team's foot riddled with injuries. This team's clearly the favorite. Oh shit, they just lost to the Jaguars. They're no longer the favorites. Oh, can this rookie quarterback with Bill Belichick lead their next dynasty in the Patriots? another chapter of the Patriots dynasty are the Chiefs for real or is this just a, a little sample size of what they once were but no longer are there's so many questions that arise so now the question that I have been asking sitting back taking a breather as a Chiefs fan and someone that follows this team so closely I wanted to walk, sit back and look at the AFC as a whole and really see what is being presented to me and why I feel a certain way or why I feel confident or not confident about the Chiefs chances either against those teams directly or against the AFC as a whole there's always 
always those questions about, would you take this team or the field? There's always those famous questions. And I ask those questions honestly every single week when it comes to the Chiefs because this this season has been such a roller coaster. The previous two seasons, every single week I go, oh, I'll take Chiefs against the field every single time. But we've seen how this season has progressed. And guys, I'll be honest with you, by week six, week seven, I'm looking at this and going, I'm taking the field. I had a friend five, six weeks ago ask me, Lance, if you had to pick a team out of the AFC to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, who would you take? And I didn't pick the Chiefs. Now, it's not important who that team was, Ravens, but the fact was, I said, for the first time in three years, I did not feel confident that the Chiefs were were no longer the team that could easily walk into the AFC Championship, represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. But that, that that now has changed. And it's not just because of what the Chiefs have done over the last month. It's what the AFC hasn't done over the last month. There's, there is truth to putting a team away. And I'm not just talking about in four quarters. I'm not just talking about in, a, in, a, in an actual matchup where you need to put this team away because they're going to come back. We've heard that about Tom Brady. We've heard that about Patrick Mahomes. We've heard about that in other, other quarterbacks, Peyton Manning especially, Aaron Rodgers, where if you don't put these guys away in the first couple of quarters, they're going to beat your ass in that third and fourth quarter and win that game. Well, that's the same thing that's happening now, only in a grand scheme of things, in the big picture of things. With the Chiefs, where teams like the Ravens, Chargers, Bills, Titans, even the Colts, teams like that that people had a lot of expectations going into the season and throughout the season to this point, had opportunities to put themselves three, four, five games ahead of the Chiefs at this point of the season. And they simply didn't do it. We have seen the way the Ravens, how their injuries are finally starting to stockpile and really hurt this team. They're winning games, but not in a way where you think it's going to be sustainable. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh this week. We've seen the way the Chargers, a team I I never bought into. I told you guys in our prediction show several weeks back before the season started that this team, to me, had so many questions about Brandon Staley and what he's going to be able to do with that defense that came away from Gus Bradley's style and how Justin Herbert, although it was incredible last season, I still think is very incredible to this point of the season he hasn't done enough to where I think that he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes as Jimmy Johnson and Terry Bradshaw and these other guys are trying to tell you he's been great but not great enough to lift a team that has clearly so many inefficiencies on defense and the fact they cannot run the ball on them on, on, for themselves the fact the Broncos a team that beat the shit out of some cream puffs early in the year have shown their flaws at quarterback and in their offense as a whole although talented cannot execute enough offense to beat actual good teams outside of the Cowboys and trust me when I say I got plenty to say about the Broncos in this matchup coming up in about 30-40 minutes. But guys, when it comes to the AFC as a whole, as crazy as it sounds, the teams I'm the most confident in are the teams that five, six weeks ago, no one had confidence in. No one believed in the Bengals. And I believe they're one of the three best teams in the AFC. I think they're going to whoop the shit out of the Chargers this week. I'm just going to put it out there now. I think they are the worst matchup right now for the Chargers. Joe Mixon is playing better than almost any running back not named Jonathan Taylor right now in the NFL. He's had three straight games of at least two touchdowns. The Chargers are by far the worst rushing defense in the league, and Justin Herbert's confidence is shaken. I don't know how good of a coach Brandon Staley is. We don't know yet. The only thing we do know is that he capitalized on being a really good defensive coordinator with the Rams last year with one of the most talented defenses of recent memory. And now you look at, again, the Ravens. You look at the Tennessee Titans and how banged up both those teams are. The fact that the Buffalo Bills, we have no idea who they are. They're 7-4, and four, and they're a wild card team, and everybody penciled them in as the AFC East champions. Everybody was picking them to go to the Super Bowl outside of the Browns. And speaking of the Browns, they're irrelevant. 
This was a team that so many people on the national landscape were picking to go to the Super Bowl and beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship or beat the Bills in the AFC Championship. And that team looks like one of the worst teams in the AFC right now, despite all their talent and having a top-tier head coach who just won coach of the year last year. The Colts, who are they? A team that can go in there and go up 24-14 to against the Buccaneers and literally just open the door to a victory for Tom Brady and the Bucs? A team that was riddled with injuries in themselves? That was begging to lose? I mean, their, their defensive tackle was literally losing teeth on the field and you couldn't capitalize? There's so many questions with the AFC guys that the three teams that I feel the most confident in now are the Chiefs, the New England Patriots, and the, and the Cincinnati Bengals. The reason I say the Patriots, guys... I know they've been playing great football, but I told you guys before the season, what did I say? I was the only one here that said that I think the, the Patriots are going to make the playoffs because of one reason. Because Bill Belichick got his core back. The guys that he did not have the previous season when they all, I think it was eight, nine guys that dropped out due to COVID. They did not want to play. He got all those guys back, and he added Matthew Judon, and he added tight end help, and he added a, a, a capable uh, rookie quarterback that plays the style of offense the Patriots absolutely love. Mediocre, dip, dink and dunk, Tom Brady style of offense. And it works. Now, you can sit here and debate as to whether the Patriots have played the cream of the crop yet in the NFL. Because they really haven't. And when they have, they've lost. They started the season 2-4. and four. They, they, they're not, I don't think they're as great as people are trying to make them. I don't think that they're going to be a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl contender. I think if they face the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, I'd pick the Chiefs by more than a touchdown. And that's giving respect to Belichick and his defensive schemes. That's giving respect to what Mac Jones has done to this point. But there is context to it. Same with the Bengals. Although I'm big on the Bengals, I only had them winning six games this season. What I love about it is that they are no longer a team of just young guys that are a year away. Zach Taylor has gotten this young offense with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Joe Mixon, and Tyler Boyd, and these other guys to really take that next step this quickly. I did not expect them to be this good. And I, honestly, after that Ravens, after they beat the shit out of the Ravens a couple weeks ago, that's when I knew this Bengals team is for real. They can legitimately win the AFC uh, North. And just like the Patriots, they could legitimately win the AFC East. I actually picked them two weeks ago. I said, after the Patriots won their game against, uh, I forget who they played two weeks ago, I said, I think they're going to they're gonna win the AFC East. And same with the Chiefs, I think they're going to win the AFC West. To me, guys, as it currently stands, no disrespect to the Ravens, no disrespect to the, any of these other AFC teams I am named, I think those are the only three teams right now that can actually win the AFC. Just sitting back, watching football last week without the Chiefs, letting them rest, knowing what they've been over the last four weeks, I think those are the three teams right now that we have to look at in the AFC. And if I'm being honest with you, I don't think the Bengals or the Patriots compare to the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs have had their struggles. I know that they've had turnover problems. I know that they their defense has been insanely inconsistent this year. They have literally been jackal and eyed. They have literally been the worst defense in the NFL and arguably the best defense over the, in the NFL over the last three weeks. That's how great the Chiefs have been in defense this week. And I, again, I talked about this last week about how the thing I love about the Chiefs and why I feel so confident about them truly being back is the fact that it isn't Patrick Mahomes saving them anymore. It isn't him going out there and saying, okay, i got to drop 35 tonight. No, they, they, they put up 19 points and won by double digits against the Cowboys. So the Bengals, although, again, I, I'm confident they're going to be a playoff team. I'm confident they can even get themselves deep into the playoffs. I don't think they can match up with the Chiefs well enough to, to beat them in that and, and Arrowhead especially. The Bengals? The Bengals. And as, as great and as knowledgeable and insanely genius as Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are, Mac Jones, at the end of the day, is going to have to win them games. And in the end, you're going to have to either have Tom Brady like luck with the referees and injuries, 
or you're going to have to have a quarterback and go out there and out-duel Patrick Mahomes. And Mac Jones is not that guy, at least not now. I think he's done a really good job of being a game manager, but with their lack of firepower on the offensive side and a defense that is that, that, that does capitalize against bad quarterbacks, you can't expect them to play that well against the Patrick Mahomes who's motivated and knows that he potentially can get this one seed in the AFC. And I'm going to say this, guys, before I turn it over to Trevor. I truly believe that at the season's end, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be. I think by season's end, the Chiefs are going to have the one seed. And here's why. Real quick. They have no tiebreakers against Baltimore. They have no tiebreakers against Tennessee. They have no tiebreakers against Buffalo, and they have no tiebreakers against LA Chargers right now. They can obviously square that up with the Chargers in a couple weeks. But here's the reason why. As I already mentioned, Baltimore and Tennessee are riddled with injuries. I don't think either one of those teams have a shot at the one seed, even though currently Baltimore does have the one seed. I think that you see, if you look at the rest of the Ravens' schedule right now, I think four of their last six games are against playoff teams. Yeah. That's rough. They are literally depending on, on Lamar all 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yes. And then that defense is depleted. Yeah. Dude, they, are, they have one of the worst passing defenses in the league. Good linebackers, but yeah, their coverage is rough. Horrible. Yeah. Yes. And if you see, if you look at um, uh, Tennessee, guys. It's Derrick Henry or bust with that team. I mean, that's one of the few teams in the NFL, maybe the only team in the NFL, that relies that heavily on the run game outside of maybe the Colts. And the Colts right now are not even a playoff team. So, I, I hate to be this critical, man, but if you look at it, guys, I mean, are we really, if you guys had to take right now and say for the next six weeks, you would pick the Bengals or the Chiefs to win the one seed, who are you taking? Oh, I'm taking the Chiefs. Okay. Or if you had commodity. I, don't, six, I don't trust the Bengals at all. Six more weeks, right? Because the Chiefs also have a head-to-head with the Bengals in Week yeah, 15. I'm not worried about them. Chiefs-Patriots next six weeks. Who would you be confident in? Chiefs-Patriots? Yeah, for the next six weeks to win the one seed, who would you take? I'm not taking a rookie quarterback over Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It, just... it's, it's not just about the quarterback. I think this comes down to the coach, the coaches. Uh, obviously, Bill Belichick knows how to control his quarterback and his rookie quarterback and make him excel and make him the uh, a contender for rookie of the year you know what i mean so for me that's a tough that, that, that's that's a toss-up because the way the Chiefs been playing so inconsistent lately and the the patriots doing the patriots way it's a toss-up for me i, I don't I, I honestly can't tell you cheese or i honestly can't tell you patriots because they're like i said cheese are inconsistent and like you said patriots have a rookie quarterback i just don't I don't know. Well, I'm going to say this. I mean, just look at the Patriots' schedule the rest of the way and then look at ours the rest of the way. They have to face the Bills, Colts, and then the Bills next three weeks. They can easily beat the Bills. Easily? I, I believe so. I mean, I still think the Bills outside the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. That's my personal opinion. I still I still believe because I still believe in all. Oh, you said their coach and then their quarterback is an X factor in this league. He's an absolute stud. And obviously he's had let down spots this year. But overall, Josh Allen's had a pretty good year. And that defense is 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 good, regardless they've had some letdown spots. But they they just lost uh, the white. So yeah, yeah, tra- yeah, for sure. That's but a, I mean, that's a massive loss. That's a huge loss. Of course, of course. Side. I just, I just, yeah. But I mean, I think the best team in Patriots that got team, a tough schedule the rest uh, of the way. I mean, yeah, we gotta see if if he, yeah, if they can if they can Matt actually can hang, they can actually beat those playoff contender teams. You know, those Super Bowl contending teams. Mm-hmm. This hopefully they, we'll see if they can beat the Bills, which I do think face them twice, and the Colts. The yeah, Colts is a tough I, matchup I for them think, too. I do think. They might lose to the Colts. The Colts, I think, are a good team. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it's going to be a good matchup to see uh, Patriots-Bills just to see mm-hmm. just to see what the Patriots – because the Patriots' defense is good. Yeah, The Patriots' offense is good. So, are the struggles for the Buffalo Bills going to continue? Do we know if they're back to what they were at the beginning of the season? Because they've disappeared. Like, the Chiefs got better. 
but and the Buffalo Bills got worse. I mean, we could. So, uh, I think the Bills, the Bills defense is still higher ranked than the Patriots defense. The Bills offense is far superior than the offense of the Patriots to me. So I, I just think the Bills are far out the better team in my mind. They've struggled at times this year, but if we're being honest, if you watch the Bills, they've been a good team. They've had a couple letdown spots where they've been embarrassed. Yeah, by and that embarrassing. Course. Yeah, that was a, an embarrassing game. But overall, I mean, that, that's been an electric offense and a very stout defense. And this is where my point comes back around about how the, the, how the AFC fucked up by letting the Chiefs come back into this the picture. This has been a competitive division this because year. The AFC outside, has been super competitive. Trevor's 100% right. The only team that can compare to the Chiefs when it comes to overall healthy talent is the Bills, and they just lost Trey White. Mm-hmm. Like you said, how big – I think that's going to be a humongous loss for them because this team loss. has been banking on their defense to save Josh Allen so yeah. many times this season. It's pretty much like us losing like Frank Clark or Chris Jones. Or, or Tyron Matthew, basically. He's I'm like just saying, Tyron as Matthew. far as impact, yeah, I guess. Because yeah. of impact, yeah, yeah, because of how great he is at what he does. Like yeah. losing Tyron Matthew, he's a the true leader, number one. Yeah, corner. the leader, the alpha of your defense. Mm-hmm. And if you look at like, the, like I said, the, these teams letting letting the Chiefs come, hang around until they finally got themselves back into who they are and what we know them to be. You look at the schedules. We talked about the schedule. Look at look, look at the Bengals, for instance. Okay, they have the Chargers coming up, which I do believe the Bengals are going to win this game. I think that's gonna be a good game. But then they but then they have San Francisco, who might be the hottest team in the NFC right now. They've won with three straight games. Oh, that'd be the Packers, but yeah, they got they got to go to Denver, a team that can be anybody. We know the the Broncos can be anybody. We've seen them do it. And then you have to play Baltimore, the Chiefs, and at Cleveland. A Cleveland team that beat them by almost 30 points in Cincinnati. I will say about San Fran real quick, Debo is out this week, so that's yeah, a huge Yeah, that's loss. two that's weeks, though. In two weeks, though, they play them. Okay. In okay. two weeks. And then you look at the, uh, like I said, about Baltimore's schedule, which is hefty as fuck. You look at the way that Tennessee's all banged up. New England, Trevor, you mentioned the fact they got to pay the Bills twice. Even if they beat the Bills both times, and the those Colts. are taxing games, man. Yeah, yeah. and the Colts. Yeah. The fact that they have the Colts, you said Three like straight and, weeks. That's it's Bills and Colts, at Bills. Miami. Yeah. And at Miami. That's not a tough. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a hot team too, man. Yeah, man. So my point is, I'm not saying that it's guaranteed the Chiefs are going to get this done. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying though is, in the next four, four of the last six games for the Chiefs this season are against divisional foes. I don't know if you guys remember, but Patrick Mahomes in his career against the AFC West is 17 and three. So my point is, if you look at the trajectory of their schedules and how these teams are playing. I think there's a better case, even though the Chiefs currently right now have the fourth best record in the AFC, I think there's a better chance they elevate past those other three teams than those other three teams staying above the Chiefs at this current time. Just because, again, the way they're playing, the way that the trajectory of their schedules right now, I think right now the Chiefs have the easiest schedule of those three teams. Uh, the remaining schedule, even though, again, it's divisional foes. The Chiefs are playing in the best division in football this season. I still think that they have the the uh, the inner, the, what's called that, the... Uh, inner turn or whatever they call that when you're running on track or whatever they call that the the the, the close the closing lane basically to get that one seed and it's not as crazy as it sounds, guys, I don't think this is one of those seasons, though, where it's imperative to get the one seed with that home field advantage because the AFC is so chaotic. There's no certainties. We've seen so much parity across the board that would it shock you that a wild card team gets to the Super Bowl just like they did in the NFC last year with the Buccaneers? Everybody just thought, oh, you got to get that one seed, and the Buccaneers come through. Now, they had a ton of luck go their way. A lot of great things had to go their way, but it really would it really shock you if that was to happen on the AFC side of things? No. I mean, and I, I that's the... That's the crazy part about this, the AFC, especially. Is like any team, almost any team, can go from a wild card spot to the first seed right now. Like everyone's like within a game or two of each other, or a half a game. Like especially within our division, it's so tight. Yeah. There are only um, four teams in the AFC right now with losing records. Yeah, I mean, four out of sixteen teams. Yeah, most teams are only like two games <laughs> or three games ahead, above five hundred. Like Miami's not, five and seven, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the teams are junk. You have the three and eight Jets, the two and nine Houston uh, uh, Texans, and the two and nine Jacksonville Jaguars. So you have all these good teams, and it just tape falls off the table. So yes, you have your three. Really, there's only three bad teams in the AFC this year. Yeah, only three. So you've bought into the Bengals then. 
I have bought into the Bengals. See, I haven't. I don't okay. trust them. I, they have been. In, I mean, if we talk about the Bills being, you know, questionable with some of their letdown spots, I mean, the Bengals. Joe Burrow's had games where it's like, who is throwing the football right? <laughs> it's, it looks bad. And, yeah. and I, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I love the way he plays. I think he's going to be a, a great football player for a long time. I think he's going to be one of those name brand type players, uh, household names. I think he's going to be one of the greats in Bengals history if he sticks around there. Um, but. That offense is great, but I think that defense has had a couple spots where they made. They, I think they've been a, a little overrated. I think they they won that game last week because of Big Ben. Big Ben was awful. He kept giving them the ball. Kept in the red zone. He was throwing pick sixes. Like that game was over from like the second quarter on. So like that that wasn't too. I mean, Joe Mixon granted has been eating, but they've been playing with like ten point leads, and he's just been feasting on these teams. And they were with that TJ Watt, and I just I don't know. A lot of their wins like have been blow up wins. Lamar was absolutely terrible against them. Kept giving them a ball again. Mm-hmm. So Joe Burrow's had time to like, had chances to score a lot of points. That offense is electric. Don't get me wrong, but I think that I think they're definitely a vulnerable team if you pin them in a corner. Only thing I want to say about the Bengals real quick, and then we can move on to the Patriots because I think this is the team that everybody really wants yeah, to talk I, about. They right have now. to be respected. It, it's the fact. The reason why I bought into the Bengals is because of the fact that the the Ravens um, was it four four or five weeks ago, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Beat the shit out of the Chargers, thirty-four to six, right? Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, oh fuck, the Ravens, man, this is the team, right? This is the team to beat. The very next week, Cincinnati beats the the Ravens, forty-one to seventeen. So it's like you, you're taking this team, a divisional foe that's coming off of beating the Chargers at that time. We're five-two, I believe, five and two, four-one, five and two at that time. Something like that. Beat the shit out of them. You then go and beat the shit out of them. And have now since since that game since that game you're four and two, mm-hmm. the the Bengals are four and two since that game. Like you can have those games where, where a team that isn't a legit can you know any given Sunday a team, but when you go on a winning record, you have a winning record since that, and you've built on that, and when it's won as twice as many games as you've lost since then. To me, that's a team that has not rested on their laurels and has not taken themselves too seriously. They're actually utilizing the underdog underdog yeah. card because nobody picked the Bengals. They're riding to do momentum this right year. now too. I think you're the only one, Trevor, on this panel that had them winning more than seven games. Yeah. Like I, I, like, I like the offense. Yeah, I like the addition of Jamar Chase. That's exactly. I bet if we pulled the tape back right now, we go and see that we all talked about. Yeah, this Bengals team's gonna be good, but just not this year. Like they're 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 gonna be a nine ten win team probably in 2022, 2023. Well, it's a young coach, a young quarterback, yeah. and I I just think if they make the playoffs. If they win the division and they have a big stage game, I, I just see I can see them collapsing. I can just see that happening. I mean, but we're, that's that's heading into the playoffs. But I mean, as far as them winning the division, they got to do that first. Um, I still think the Colts are the better team between them and the Bengals. I do. I just think that the better coach team, the quarterbacks are arguably similar. Um, I would probably take Joe Burrow over uh, uh, Carson Wentz, but I think I think the Colts are still still a team you need to keep your eye on. I think they can go on a run here. I know they that was a letdown game. They they had the Bucks. They should have beat the Bucks. Um, yeah, yeah, man. The AFC, it's it's fun though. This is fun. Like I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Ravens. To be honest, they're I, I, they've never like we like we know their identity, but at the same time this year, like we don't going into any game, like we don't know if they're gonna win. Right. I can imagine what their fans feel like. I mean, every game in, game out, you don't really know what to expect. Like <laughs> Lamar just threw four picks and one. Like. How? You want to talk about a game that the Ben Roethlisberger yeah, was handed over? Of course, yeah. And he was giving them every chance to win that game, and they still won. That's just that's annoying, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean, by far to me, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL right now, arguably with uh, – I think the top three teams in the NFL are the, the Cardinals, 
Packers and the Chiefs. Those now, are my three top teams right now. Now let's let's talk about the Patriots real quick because I, I have some opinions on the Patriots. Like you guys, like we already talked about, I was the only one that was really big on them, but I had them at ten and seven as a wild card team because although I was big on them, yeah, you were higher on I think than all of us. Yeah, I was. I had them at ten and seven. I said Mac Jones was going to play decent. I, I, I this was at the time I believe Cam Newton was still on the roster. Mm-hmm. I did say that Mac Jones was eventually going to take over because I felt like he was going to be the better overall quarterback and he just fit the system really well. He's just that like perfect Patriot quarterback. He's good, man. He's yeah. good. Yeah. But let, let's let's contextualize the Patriots just a little bit. Okay? This feels like the Brady era all over again. What I mean by that is the Patriots are capitalizing on a very weak schedule once again. You see the way they're eating against really that division, bad teams. That division sucks for the like, most part. Th- their wins this season have come against the Jets, the Texans, the Jets, the Chargers, who, again, I never bought into. I think they're very fraudulent. That was a good game, though. The, the Carolina Panthers, oh. who, again, started off hot, but they're like the Broncos of the NFC where they looked good against bad teams and then started getting their asses kicked. Uh, Cleveland, at the time that Cleveland was horrible, Baker's been injured. Uh, the Falcons, I mean, are, are we fucking <laughs> kidding? Uh, and then the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry. Yeah. So those are their wins this season. And again, guys, I, look, I think the Patriots are good, but here's the thing. They lost week one to Tua Tungvaloa, who was injured, 17-16. to They lost to the New Orleans uh, Saints, who have been robbed this year of a good quarterback. Jameis Winston was on fire. They yeah. got smoked by the, the New Orleans Saints in New England, 28-13. to They lost to the Tampa Bay Bucks, 17-19. That was an ugly-ass game. Bucks are just the better team, yada, yada, yada. Lost to Dallas 35 to 29. Good and game. that's the point I want to bring that game up. Yeah. Because we've seen how the Cowboys have I think I think the Cowboys are fraudulent. I didn't have them yeah, in the playoffs. The Raiders, dude. The, yeah, the, the, I, I don't believe in, in the Dallas. Cowboys. But one thing we can say is the Cowboys are one of the more talented teams in football without Got question. Top to bottom, both and sides. Th- that was a game where the Patriots, if their defense, because I everyone's talking about how great their defense is, if there was a game this season where the Patriots really needed to put their stamp on it. It would have been the Cowboys game because why? We talk about the Chiefs defense being so great. What game are we going to reference? Yeah, they have no the Cowboys. Game, game. They have no game of notoriety that they've really won. Yeah, the Chiefs yeah. held the Cowboys to nine points. We're sitting here utilizing that game as a point of reference. Yeah. Well, I have to do the same thing for the Patriots on the negative side of things because they gave up six, five touchdowns to the, the Dallas Cowboys and lost by a touchdown in that game. So, although I am big on the Patriots, I would not be shocked if the Chiefs faced them in the AFC Championship. Would not be. Oh, because that, that team happens. is so well coached. Yeah. The turnover margins are insanely great. They have a really good run game. Their defense is fantastic. They take the field goals. They take the points. They're very old school yes. type of team. They, they are a throwback team for yeah. sure. Like our guy Bink from 610 says. He's a th- they're a throwback team. This yeah. is the kind of football Bill Belichick loves. They run this it 35 times a game. Yes. Yep. But that's actually the type of team that the Chiefs, I would pick so comfortably for the Chiefs to beat because the Chiefs are, their their greatest asset on defense is what? Stopping the run, mm-hmm. right? They have completely transformed that. Yeah. And again, Henry. the Patriots are so good at stopping the run too that Patrick Mahomes is going to have to throw the ball. Ah, oh, shucks. That really sucks, guys. The Patrick Mahomes is going to have to throw the ball 38 to 40 times. Yeah. I think I feel okay with that one, especially if it is in Kansas City. And there is a revenge factor for the Chiefs in that game. Think about it, man. The only reason why the Chiefs aren't going for their fourth straight Super Bowl appearance is why? Tom Brady's ass. Because of the fact that the Chiefs could not beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship in 2018. You're going to tell me right now if the Chiefs hosted the Patriots again, that wouldn't be a revenge game for the Chiefs where they're like, hey, three years ago, man, they, they took it from us in our house. Let's fucking beat these dudes. No, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say no. It wouldn't be like a revenge game just for the simple fact that Brady's no longer there. That, that was the main reason, the main focus as to why this could have been a revenge game if Tom Brady was still with the Patriots. We need to Patriots. make Mac Jones pay for it's Tom Brady's It's still a Belichick sense. team, though. No, it's I, still I, Belichick. No, I get yeah. it, but the rivalry is Mahomes, Bel- uh, Mahomes the Brady. Game. Yeah, Mahomes Brady, not uh, Mahomes Belichick. So I think 
it would have meant more of a uh, it would have been more of a revenge if Tom Brady was still with the Patriots and the Chiefs saw him again in the AFC Championship and beat him. Think about this though. This would be the third time that Bill Belichick and Andy Reid would face in the playoffs, and right now Andy Reid is down 0-2. So there's got to be this, you know there's got to be a motivating factor for that matchup. Like, I know that we talked about this a couple weeks ago about like what would be the best matchup story-wise for the Chiefs and the AFC Championship and the and the Super Bowl. Those are still up for debate. But as things are getting closer to those times, I'm starting to buy into this Patriots idea because I, you're right, Eddie. Tom Brady's no longer there. But guys, are you going to sit here and act like Mac Jones has not been an absolute replica of what Tom Brady, like playing-wise, yeah. is? So like, oh, I, I yeah. agree. I agree with what you're saying. My point is, is that if you look at the matchup, it's still very much the same the only difference, though, is the Chiefs are coming in this matchup, if it was to happen, with a significantly better defense and a much more experienced Patrick Mahomes. Because since then, Patrick Mahomes has been an MVP, Super Bowl MVP, and a Super Bowl champion. And it's been to Super Bowl back-to-back times. So there's a lot there on the confidence of the Chiefs getting that victory, and I think that would feel really good for that team as a whole. So right now, as it currently stands, just to kind of put a button on this, and I want to get your guys' final thoughts on this as the AFC as a whole. I think as it currently stands, the team that I think has the best chance of facing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, because I'm confidently putting the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, mm-hmm. I think as it currently stands, it is the Patriots if they get the right breaks mm-hmm. in the playoff seedings. If they end up getting the two seed, which is very realistic, then I think they're in the AFC Championship. But if they end up getting a three or four seed and they, they still win their division or down below, let's say the Bills still pull this division out, I don't think the Patriots get there because I don't think Mac Jones is good enough and I don't think their defense is as good as it looks. Mm-hmm. If they end up getting a home game in the divisional round or in the, in the wild card in divisional rounds, then I think they get there because I think that that Patriots home crowd and that home field advantage is very underrated. They are very good up there in New England, Gillette Stadium. I think that would get them there. But as it currently stands, I think that's the best matchup and I think that's the most realistic matchup in the AFC Championship. Whichever I think the most realistic is the Bills. I think they're the better team. Uh, and, they, and it's going to come down to the Bills because they face them twice the next three weeks, um, and I think the Bills are going to take. Both, I think the Bills are going to take both those games. Wow. Uh, I think they're. The, I just think they're the outright better team, far more talented in my mind. Uh, still the better defense. I know that Tre'Davious White is out, but they've been they've been a very good defense all year. They've Massive they've been they've been lo- the games they've been losing is because Josh Allen just couldn't get it done. I mean, they're de- they're, they lost that Jags game. Josh Allen couldn't put up any points. That's Josh Allen's fault. That defense held the buck to Jags to six points. It was nine. or nine, yeah. yeah, three field goals. Like the defense did a job. Josh Allen couldn't even get a touchdown. That's completely on the offense. Um, so I just think Josh Allen, once the temperatures start dropping, we've seen him play great games in the cold weather. He's he has those games where he'll run over guys, he'll throw the touchdowns. They they have so many weapons on that offense. Um, I just I like the Bills, man. I think the Bills are right behind the Chiefs, the best team in the AFC in my mind. The, the Ravens just are too unpredictable, um, and not in not a good way. Uh, the Ravens, I mean, we've seen Lamar, like I said, they, they got lucky on that four turnover or five turnover game, four picks game, and they still got the W somehow. That was just, you can't depend on that. Um, I, I like the Bills. I like the Bills in the AFC Championship with the Chiefs uh, over the Patriots. The Patriots just, just, obviously the coaching has the experience, but Mac Jones, I can see him slipping up, making some mistakes. The running game, you know, doesn't work in their favor. They If they're, if they're playing from behind, you know, running the ball consistently like that is just going to be tough to do in the playoffs. Um, especially when you're playing high-powered offense like the Chiefs and the Bills and even the Ravens at times, they can be a high-powered passing offense. Um, so I just think – I just – I don't believe – I don't trust the Patriots to get it done. Um, I don't trust – just like I don't trust the Bengals. I just think there's too much inconsistency there. I, I just believe in the tried and tested teams like the like the Ravens because they find ways to win. Uh, like the Bills because they, they find ways to win. Granted, they've had some bad losses this year, but I just trust the talent of those quarterbacks over there, Mac Jones. Mm. I, I – I don't think I can trust the Bills to to get to the AFC Championship 
for the simple fact that I they've I done it. I don't know if they're good enough to make it that far in the playoffs. They haven't they haven't shown anything during the season that tells me otherwise. They haven't dominated anything in the well, in neither the, the Patriots. Though, that's what I'm saying. Like the Patriots have had the Patriots, maybe the no. easiest schedule in the league. Yeah, but uh, so either, the Bills, it, but the Ravens, Bills, and and the Patriots haven't told me anything that they will make it to the AFC Championship. But so who the, is it then? The Bengals? Uh, no. So I think the hot out of those three, the hottest team is going to make the AFC Championship. And, and it's I think whoever it's gets pa- hot at the right yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's the Patriots. The Patriots are getting hot and they're getting hotter. So if the Bills show me something else when they play when they play this uh, Monday, mm. they show me something that's, that that they go out there and dominate that game and beat the fucking the breaks off the Patriots. Then the conversation, the conversation changes. Yeah, def- these next three weeks yeah, are huge. But if the but if the yeah. Patriots win and they oh, win, in, huge, and they yeah. win, yeah, and they mm-hmm. win in a good fashion, th- that is the hottest team going into the playoffs, and and that honestly could be the team to beat if they finish the season strong. Yeah, and that could be that team that Chiefs have to to face, and it, it's going to be that team to beat in the playoffs because we know Bill Belichick and the playoffs, they they get hot. Mm-hmm. So. It, it all comes down as to which which of those three is going to get hot at the right time, and it looks like the Patriots and getting hot at the right time. You have to, you have to. If we're going to do that, and I have to bring the Bengals back into the conversation. Of course, yeah. top of they, hot teams. They won six of the last nine games, right, right, and again, right. guys, they they smoked the Pittsburgh Steelers, who owned them for like twenty five years. They smoked them both times. Mm-hmm. They beat the Ravens badly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they got they got the Ravens one more time. Uh, San Fran against hot, so that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough one. But I, I guys, I would not be shocked if the Bengals go. 10 and 6, 11, or 10 and 7, 11 and 6. It wouldn't shock me at all. So, again, Eddie, I'm actually on board with you. I think it's going to come down to who the hotter team is, and I do tend to believe it's going to probably be the Patriots because of their schedule and things of that nature. But the Bills, man, they worry me. They worry me yeah. because they started off the season so good. They were by far the best, best team in the team, AFC. Yeah. By far. Mm-hmm. Them and the Chargers both were playing great football, right? Mm-hmm. And then they just tailed off, and at the worst time imaginable, they lose their best player in Tredavious White. I think he's been the best Bill on this team this you, season. You, yeah, you lost him at a home stretch. Yes! A home stretch. Yeah, yeah, that's like... Honestly, like, him and Dawson Knox have been the best performers on this team. Like, they've been both... Inc- Dawson Knox has, like, nine touchdowns. And he missed two games. Exactly. And then So, so Trey White, dude, I don't think people realize how horrible that is. If Josh Allen was playing like he did in 2020, I'd sit there and go, nah, this Bill's team can overcome that. But because Josh Allen has really uh, uh, regressed, I have to say that Trey White, there's significance to that, especially when you have to face the Patriots two times. And to to that, the Patriots have a good defense, and uh, uh, Josh Allen has not been good against good defenses. He struggled struggled against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, and that's not a good defense. Him and Stephon Diggs have not been connecting yeah, this season. As of late, yeah. they have. The last two weeks, I think Stephon Diggs has four touchdowns, so we need to kind of... True, and we, so they're talking about the hot. This, this, getting hot. But this is what I'm getting saying. Hot. Like, this is why I trust the guys that have kind of been in this league and they have had that that experience because they but, have been in the last two years. They have been doing an AFC but, championship. Nope, yeah. I get it. I get yeah. it. This is a team that has been there. Granted, they faced us, and we, you know, we were the better team. We got to the Super Bowl and won it. But, I mean, this is a team that's been there. This is a coach. McDermott's a great coach. I'm not going to act like, you know, this guy hasn't been tested. He's, he's from the Belichick no, tree I, or from I, the Andy Reid yeah, tree. No, yeah. I get it. it like I said, it, it, it can't Josh Allen perform to the to the level that we've we've expected him to play. Mm-hmm. Like how he came out hot in the first few weeks of the season. Can he perform this Monday night? Is it Monday night? Yeah, Monday night football yeah. in Buffalo. Can he perform this Monday night? It all comes down to this game. If the Patriots, like I said, come out and dominate this game, mm-hmm. The Patriots are going to the AFC Championship. They're like they're going to be the hottest team because they're going to beat the other uh, 
favorite that to win the Super Bowl or to get to the Super Bowl. They would have so, to face them again, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. But if they can't, if they the Patriots come the in and just dominate, because to Eddie's that, point, if they go in there and dominate the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, it's that it's, it's cheesecake for them to go back to Gillette, Gillette. face the Bills, who they just pounded in their house. Well, they go, yeah, they go to Indianapolis, and there is there is something to Billichek in the way it's the cold. Billichek, I think Billichek, if I'm not mistaken, their last twenty matchup is fifteen and five against the Bills. So he knows how to beat this team. Now, granted, the Bills before 2019 were ass yeah. for a very long time. Having said that, and though, even Davis White's out. I mean, that definitely could. They split it. last season, if I'm not mistaken. I think the the Patriots in one of their seven victories. Yeah, were Belichick just knows how to play those guys in that division. Yeah. Knows how to play. I think well. it's just such a massive loss to, loss to the defense that having that, like not having him in the in, in the field, that's gonna be massive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be massive. I do think we need to watch, keep an eye on the Colts, see how they finish out the rest of their season because the rest of their schedule is not too bad. They I'm, face I'm the Texans. They face the Texans. They face the Colts, or they face the Patriots. Cardinals are going to be a tough one. And they face the Raiders, and they end the year on the Jags. You just I, named. You, I just heard two or three losses right there, and they're not a team that can afford to lose any more games. I mean, possibly, they're five and six. Yeah. But I mean, if they beat the Patriots and they lose to the Cardinals, that's they still win three of their last or four of the last five games. That they would end with a lot a would nine, have to go right. A nine the biggest, year. the biggest question mark yeah. I have on here is: Can Carson Wentz yeah. stay healthy, and can he stay consistent? You guys remember our I prediction just show? Don't know. Remember it's our prediction show? Remember, remember what I said on the prediction show about how I was so big on the Colts going into the offseason when they got Carson Wentz? Yeah. You know, they have such a talented roster. They have Frank Reich at mm-hmm. head coach. I'm thinking, oh my god, dude, this team could legit get to the AFC Championship and face off against the Chiefs. And I was like so close to penciling him in. But then I thought about, it. I heard about T.Y. Hilton's injury. I heard about Carson Wentz's injury. I heard about Quentin Nelson's injury, and I'm like. Yeah, I'm not buying this team. I can't. They're so talented. I and mean, they're all back now, though. They're all back now. Yeah. My no, point, yeah, yeah, though, yeah. is is that you saw the way they were hobbled going into the season. And then against teams like the Buccaneers, a statement game. Like if they win that game, I'd be like, Trevor, you're fucking right. 100%. I have the Colts in the playoffs. This, this, this. Where I'm hyping them up. All these things like I am with the Patriots. Yeah, it's the Super Bowl champs. But, I mean, that's... but my God, dude. Like, they... I'm just saying, though. Like, they gave up that win. They yeah. were up 10 points driving. Yeah. In the, the first draft, the first drive of the second half, they were driving about to put that game away, and they would have put that game away. But then Carson or Eric Fisher gives up the fucking strip sack. Yeah. Carson Wentz just goes into a shell after that. I mean, throwing interceptions and just yeah. you see the chaos with this team. They're so inconsistent. For me to sit here and believe they can win four of their next six games, and that's what they would need to do in order mm-hmm. to even have a shot. I think they could beat the Cardinals. If I'm being honest, I think it's a, I think that's actually a bad matchup. You gotta win ten games in the AFC to make the playoffs. I think that's a bad Colts? matchup for the Cardinals. Yeah, I do. Ooh. I think Jonathan Taylor would if Jonathan Taylor gets rolling in that game. And, and we've seen, too, but we've seen Kyler have some terrible games against good defense. That's a good defense over there. Yeah. Indianapolis has a very good I'm not defense. Saying it, I'm not saying you're wrong. All yeah. I'm saying is they need to go and do it before I can sit here and start giving them yeah. any ounce of confidence because although they are a talented, great coach, all that other stuff, they got to win games like that against Tampa. Mm. You win games like that, I'm going to give you I mean, your rose and flowers. I'm not blame them. That was a pick em game. I really, I mean, obviously the, the, the Bucks were the favorites. The Bucks were the favorites, though. I mean, they weren't even expected to win that game. I'm just I mean, saying that first half, they were smoking the Bucks. Yeah, they were. They were. They were smoking the Bucks. I, think, I just think they have a good winning formula. You want to talk about the Patriots? I mean, they have a. I think they're the better team than the Patriots, honestly. When it comes down to maybe not get quarterback, I think I would take Mac Jones right now just for what he does, uh, and, and and Carson being a turnover machine at times. Um, but they're similar teams. I think the Colts have the better defense, obviously. They have the better names, and I think they have the better offensive weapons. So I think, I mean, if we're going to give the, the Patriots, they have what? They're, they have seven wins, right? But uh, No, Patriots are eight and four. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, they're a couple wins ahead of them. They're <laughs> They're three wins ahead. The, the yeah. Colts have six wins. They are, so they're six and six? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. They're, they're six and five. I thought they're five, and, they're six. five and six. They're six and five. The Colts have six wins. Okay. Huh. Um, but 
Uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying. So this AFC, man, it's really about who gets hot yeah. because there, there's so yeah, many teams. Right. Six with, and six. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's so many teams with six wins, seven wins right now. You know, the, it, and the, the the deciding factor could be that schedule, man, between the Colts, the Bills, and the Patriots. Patriots yeah. You know, what I mean, if, if the if the say the Bills beat the Patriots, but then the Patriots go lose to the Colts, and then the Colts gain momentum. There's so many things, so many different scenarios that could happen, man. And, and you know, I mean, the, the Colts could easily leapfrog the Bills and the Patriots. If, you know, if things cracked out their way. So, and, and then obviously the Bengals, man, they're they're a hot team right now. I don't believe in them. I just think the inexperience is going to catch up to them. I think they'll have a couple letdown games and they'll find them their, their way out, maybe into a wild card spot, maybe. But yeah, I mean, who's leading the division? It's going to be the Browns. We all know the Ravens right? are the one seed in the entire AFC right now. The Ravens, yeah. That's how chaotic the That's AFC is right now. Like, are you impressed by the Ravens at all? Just won a game with four three, turnovers. Right? They're eight and three. Yeah. Yeah. Eight and three, and the Patriots right now have the two with eight and four. Tennessee. Eight and that's and four. why Shaggy Shane picked them because he said they just find ways to win games, which is true. True. It is but true. It's, it's, it's not sustainable. Ugly, man. It's like, not that's, sustainable. That's going to catch up to you. If you yeah. Play you that can't. Kind of you you don't get football. to a Super Bowl playing like that. Yeah. Like that just doesn't happen. When you face when you face playoff team after playoff team after playoff team, that luck runs dry, mm-hmm. and especially with Lamar's lack of success in the playoffs. Which, I mean, they have a track record of and yeah. letting let, let down spots in the playoffs. You just you look at Baltimore's schedule, and, and we're going to move on to the Eddie Hour in just a second. I mean, they're at Pittsburgh this week, but they could win that game because Pittsburgh was ass last week. Um, they okay. at Cleveland, and Cleveland matches up very well against uh, the the Ravens, and they're going to get healthier in two weeks. I believe T.J. Watts out for that that. That Baltimore game. No, he just no, he, no, he's, 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 he's clear COVID. He's clear COVID. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Good. then so after after at Pittsburgh and at Cleveland, they have to host the Packers. Mm. Then I think they, that's the best team then football right they now. have to go to the Bengals, who just beat the Christ out of them a few yeah. weeks back. Then they have to host the Rams, and then they have to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers or host the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dude, there's like three or four losses right there for the the Ravens. So the Ravens right now are the one seed, and they can legitimately miss the playoffs. That's how they they lose the rest of their games. That's what so, I'm saying. The Chiefs have a, actually that whole comparable to a happen, lot of the rest of these schedules. Yeah, like we had a tough, saying, we had yes. a very tough schedule to start the year, but these divisional games, I have, I have all the trust. That's, I mean, that Bengals game is a wild card game because I think whichever team gets hot will be the deciding factor of that game because these are two really good offenses and we our offense hasn't been the same. Yeah, but if, I mean, we got to be careful. I mean, I have, I'm not scared of Joe Mixon because I think our running defense has been on another level right yeah. now. But Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Those are three stud receivers right there. You know what I mean? So that that's what scares me about that Bengals team. And an underrated offensive and line. Burrow just likes offensive to, and Joe Burrow likes to take chances downfield, man. So that's a scary team. That's a wild card game. But overall, these divisional games for me moving forward for the Chiefs, I'm not really worried about it, man. They, they, I think they'll be competitive. Um, the Chargers game is the one that I think will be the most competitive because they have the offensive weapons. I, I don't believe in the offense of the, the Broncos. but That defense is very good. But defensive teams coming against the Chiefs, I, we'll, we'll figure those games out. It's going to be a fun month and a half, yeah, baby. I can't wait. for everybody, man, is going to be All right, let's get huge. to the Eddie Hour. Eddie, I know you always have thought-provoking questions. You always try to get me triggered. Let's see if it works. I ain't trying to get nobody triggered today. <laughs> What's the obs- obsession uh, with Sean Payton uh, with Taysom Hill? Like what? What's the obsession? What, I asked, what's there? I put a I put a poll on our Twitter account one time. Uh, who has more blackmail and dirt on their franchise? Is it Taysom Hill or is it Dane Sorensen? Because for some reason these guys continue to have work and find work with their with their teams. The only difference is is Dane Sorensen is not making sixty million dollars like Taysom Hill is. The Saints are literally paying Taysom Hill sixty million dollars in total to be a third string performer at every position he plays. And 
I'm going to give Taysom Hill some credit here in that game against the Cowboys. He literally broke his finger, and they put a splint on that finger, and yeah. he was still out there chucking the ball around. He was running all over the Cowboys. And he, he I think Taysom's got a lot of heart, he's a lot of athlete, vigor, bro. and moxie, yeah. and he's you know, a good, you know, good old boy. Guys, that's not good enough at, at the NFL level to be a quarterback. You have to, at the end of the day, have the talent. And Taysom Hill just clearly doesn't have the talent. He had a 44 quarterback rating, yeah. four interceptions. Yeah, as I say, I think his last three possessions threw three picks. And the only person out there <laughs> that bad. honestly believes Sean – that, that, that Taysom Hill deserves to have that opportunity is Sean Payton. And I I don't, to, to answer the question as, as honestly as I can, Eddie, I don't understand. I, I think if I had to take a shot at it, I think it's that Sean Payton has such an ego that he believes he can be the guy that turns Taysom Taysom Tebow into an actual quarterback. And it's just not there, man. It's just not there. And it's really sad to see. I mean, Trevor Simeon is not good. But he's better than Taysom he wasn't Hill, bad. and he yeah. was a healthy bench. He was he was benched as a healthy quarterback. Trevor Simeon could have played in that game, and they would have had a much better chance of beating Probably. the Cowboys. Yeah. So it's just it's sad to see that, that that Sean Payton has this much denial and belief into Taysom Hill because I think it's literally costing them games. Yeah, I mean, I I just think he was looking for. I mean, I love I love him as a coach, but I just think he's looking for ways to. And he he probably felt he could do more trick plays and things like that, and run different option plays, and the you know. With with Taysom, it, it was an entertaining game. He's fun to watch. You know, he's a great athlete. Um, but I think he's better off, you know, being you know mixed in instead of being the starting quarterback. Yeah, imagine being your quarterback. Imagine being the quarterback in the yeah. Chiefs. I'd be like, what the fuck? It's Tyler Thigpen all over again. Yeah. Man. So I mean, like in red zone packages and stuff like that. You know, that's he's a dangerous weapon in the red zone because I mean he's hard to tackle. I mean, you see him hurdle that guy too. I mean, he's he's a great athlete. Oh, yeah. um, I think he's really. I think he could play tight end if he wanted to. Um, yeah, he's just a good athlete, and then that that's that uh that deal that they gave him too with the incentives and all that. It's a strange contract. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I I I like him as an athlete. I think he's fun to watch as a football fan. Um, he has that old school kind of way about him. It's fun to watch. But if you want to win games, I mean, it's hard to win in today's league playing you know football like that. So, um, yeah, we saw the Tebow style thing it was fun to watch you know they got they had success early on but once the league got up to it and you know was prepared for it there was not much not much success after that so i i don't know i don't i see what he's doing but trevor simeon obviously would have been the better i mean he's a natural pocket passer so i think that's what they needed to compete more in that game in my mind because they have good weapons they have some good receivers out there um but also being without kamara was a huge loss. I think yeah. if they had Kamara, I think they would have beat the Cowboys. Mm. I really do. Um, really? I do. I do. I think if you have that, because, dude, Mark, they had a, what, 34-year-old Mark Ingram out there, like, and, you know, Ty Montgomery. Dude, Kamara is an absolute game changer. Um, having Running the option with the Taysom Hill and Kamara would have been huge, and then being able to dink and dunk to Kamara, a guy that could take it to the house at any time, that would have been a game changer for that that scenario. Because it was a close game most of the game until the, the turnover started happening in the second half. It was a good game. Um, but, yeah. I just think he likes Taysom Hill. He likes what he has in him, but it's just not going to work. Antonio Brown has been suspended three games. I'm sure you guys know the reasons why. I want to get your thoughts and reactions. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it was deserving for him to get suspended, but I, I definitely disagree with the amount of uh, the suspension for multiple reasons and, and just try to get through it quickly. Uh, it's, it's easy. Uh, when you commit a felony, a federal crime, I think that there should be more to it than just a three-game suspension. But it shouldn't shock us because this is how the NFL has done these types of things with star players. Case in point, about eight years ago, nine years ago with Ray Rice. Uh, 
when Ray Rice's video of him uh, was not released to the public yet, but the NFL had gotten a hold of the tape of him actually punching his wife. The NFL saw the tape, acknowledged they had seen the tape, and suspended him for two games. And then it came out to the public, and you see how horrific it was, him literally knocking his wife out in an elevator and dragging her out of the elevator. Then all of a sudden, the NFL wants to you know, take the, the high, high ground and say, Ray Rice, you're done. Get out of here. You're released from the Ravens. You're done. It's funny how that works. Um, the thing the NFL is fucking themselves over again on this is the fact that this isn't done with Antonio Brown. No. The legal side of this is still very much taking shape. So that means if they find that he was trying to solicit other fake vaccine cards, if he can confirm that he would he was doing this with multiple parties, then we're talking about him actually facing jail time, legitimate jail time. And I, I think that the NFL has really put a slap on the wrist on this, and I, I really find it um, curious seeing that if Antonio Brown was playing for really any other team in the league, do you guys really think this is only a three-game suspension? Say if he played for the Lions right now. Say Antonio Brown was with the Lions. You think it's only a three-game suspension? I think it's very curious to me that Tom Brady's teammate only gets a three-game suspension in the midst of a season where they could potentially repeat as, as Super Bowl champions. I found that, I don't want to be Mr. Conspiracy Theorist here, but I just found that very odd. And and the, another portion of all this that I found funny, and, and I don't want to draw comparisons directly to Aaron Rodgers, but there are certain comparisons. The only one you can't, you can't say are the same with this is one, Antonio Brown did, again, commit a felony offense. This is a, fel a federal crime. Aaron Rodgers didn't commit a federal crime. But he did violate health and safety protocols, and that should be in line for a suspension. And what pissed me off is that Aaron Rodgers never suffered or was even rumored to suffer any suspensions. And I said, as soon as it came out that Aaron Rodgers wasn't vaccinated, lied to the media, which isn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but it's still lying and it looks bad, was the fact that because of the fact he was violating health and safety protocols in a time of all times that you shouldn't be, you're putting other people at risk, the NFL immediately said he will not, he will not suffer any punishment as far as suspension. He's only getting a $14,000 fine, which is the equivalent of you and I, all of us pulling about, about 8 bucks out of our pockets, which is a joke in itself. He only suffered that. And Antonio Brown is now getting the frustration brunt of what Aaron Rodgers did from the NFL on him. It's still not enough, though. It still is not just to serve because, again, Antonio Brown is not suffering something that I think is adequate to the, the, the type of heinous act he did. According to reports, Antonio Brown immediately panicked after he found out that his, or the, the franchise found out that he had actually given out fake, or got, had a fake vaccine card. He immediately supposedly went and got vaccinated out of, out of sheer fear. But like Shannon Sharp said on his show yesterday, you can't go rob a store and say, ah, oh, I feel bad, I need to go take money back. The crime already been committed. Yeah. So even if he did get vaccinated right at, vaccinated right after, it doesn't take away from the fact that you went and did something that is a felony offense. So he should be suspended for the rest of the season. I don't think Antonio Brown should be allowed to play football for the rest of the year. That's where I stand out, and that's where until until we hear any further development of him being innocent in any regard, I don't see how a three game suspension makes any sense for this punishment. Yeah, I think this is a bigger deal than this within the NFL. I think once more information comes out, I think the the, the government is going to have something to say about it. Because uh, they got to make an example about someone doing fraud. You know, that's that it's a it's a felony, man. Like yeah, you know, like you said, I don't know for sure if he did go get vaccinated immediately after. I know that's, that's reports. That's the reports, story. Yeah. That's the story coming out of Antonio Brown's camp. So take that with whatever you know, grain of salt you get. Um, yeah, I, this situation. I think he deserves to be suspended for the rest of the year. I mean, I think he betrayed his his coach. I think he betrayed his teammates. Um, just, I mean, just be honest, man. Like, this is not, it's not hard. Like, Antonio Brown, we already know you're a strange cat, bro. Yeah. Just be your honest strange catness. Just continue doing what you're doing. You can doing. still play football you don't gotta, Yeah, you don't got to <laughs> lie. You don't got to be a fraud. You don't got to do all this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just there's not much more to add to this. I think he does deserve to be suspended more. Three games, I think, is ridiculous. Honestly, I think I don't. And I think Coach Bruce Arians was asked, um, you know, the status of AB and what the trajectory is moving forward, and you know, when should they expect him? He said that he has no timetable. He has no idea. So if, if I mean, I know Bruce and Bruce Arians is a very blunt, honest guy. I said if you know if he if he knew, I think he would probably give some kind of answer. But if Bruce Arians doesn't even know... Bruce Arians is also a coach that didn't want AB. Well, and Bruce Arians also has a lot of health uh, issues himself. Yes. So uh, I a, think he probably feels extremely betrayed by yeah. AB doing, pulling that shit, too, because that could put his health at risk because he's trying to because avoid... Of, because remember, before the season, they were posting those photos of the Buccaneers being 100% vaccinated as a team. Well, I think Bruce Arians has ever been a fan of AB. No, that's what I'm saying. He didn't want it, him to begin with. That's, was, remember, that's, he Tony, was, that's, Tony, that's Tom Brady's guy. He was he wanted, on the coaching staff with right. Pittsburgh, and he yeah. knew the kind of guy that Antonio Brown was. He did not want him. Yeah, that was Tom Brady's move. He did not want him. You know what I mean? So. So I, I don't. I think this would be. I think it'd be easy for Bruce Arians to give him the finger and say, you know, go go find. If I was the Bucks, I'd cut him. I'm, I'm because the Bucks yeah. can can That's still win without Antonio yeah. Brown. It's he has not been a deciding factor for this team. He's been uh, nice. He's to had have. some big games. He's had some big games. My point though is, is they have not. Their end all be all has not been Antonio Brown. It's the health of their defense mm-hmm. and is the health of their run game, which right now has been absent as fuck. They have to have both of those going if they have any chance of winning. Antonio Brown can be gone for the rest of the year, and if both those are clicking, they can get back to the NFC Championship. Yeah, I don't have much more to add to that, man. Uh, well, uh, I, a pro football talk pulled up a, a, a quote or an answer that uh, that Bruce Aarons gave when, when they signed uh, Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bruce Aarons to Peter King in October 2020 regarding Antonio Brown. He, he screws up one time, he's gone. Mm. Hasn't happened. They asked him yesterday, like, what, what's, what, what's going to happen with Antonio Brown and Mike Edwards? Uh, he said, for the next three weeks, they'll just be working out, and then we'll address their future at that time. Mm. See, Bruce Aaron is a man of his word, bro, and he, he doesn't. He's not the guy that cuts guys. You know, that that's kind of, that and comes he, from above him too. Yeah. So that's going to be an organization decision. Um, especially if Tom Brady has something to say about it, because he's the one that vouched for him and brought him in. So that, there's gonna, there's, I, I guarantee you, there's some internal scuffling going on. I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain Bruce Arians is done with his ass. If you're asking me, I think that's the case. Comes down it's, with Tom it's, it's just, well, it's got to come down to Tom <laughs> and the front, the front office too. I mean, yeah. the GM's got to make some decisions here as well. Because uh, I guess he said he was pissed off at the situation. So. Because he was lied to. Yeah, I, and he, I truly, and he has I, health issues himself. I'll give Bruce Arians the benefit of the doubt. I truly believe that Bruce Arians did not know about this. I don't think he oh, knew I about this. Yeah, dude, There's I, no evidence to he's suggest. He's one of the most transparent coaches. He's one of the only coaches that have <laughs> ever put Tom Brady on blast multiple times in one this one year. When we heard about Antonio Brown's ankle injury. I put it out on Twitter. I go, can we just go ahead and put it out there? Because the, the report came out that he had a va- fake Vax card. I go, can we just go ahead and put it out there, guys, that he's going to get suspended so we can just get yeah. over with the the next day? Or was it a few days later? Yeah. It, it, oh, hey, he's got a three-game suspension coincidentally, guys. That was maybe the same amount of time he was going to be healing up from that ankle injury. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, you guys knew what was going on. He needs to be suspended for the rest of the season. We can yeah. move the fuck on from this. I agree. He's, this he's, guy's he's been begging been, for it. He's been it. a nutcase he's for the longest time. He's been begging for it for three years now, man. Yep. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, Wars have ended the Suns' winning eighteen winning uh, streak. Thoughts? Uh, the, the the Suns. I'm going to give them a lot of con- uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, Congratulations on that because of the fact that it's very difficult in any league to win that many games in a row, especially when you have a team like the Suns that came off a finals appearance where you have the shortest offseason of all teams to be able to put together that many wins in a row. That's 
That That's high praise, man, to their coaching and Monty Williams. It's high praise to Chris Paul and his leadership, especially when Devin Booker's been out for the last couple games uh, with his was a, a hamstring injury. Chris Paul's I think it was. Balling, man. Dude, the fact that this team is playing as great as they are still and as motivated as they are still after a loss in the finals, it, it's nothing short of incredible. But I got to give the Warriors a lot of credit here, man, because we praised them last week. I'll praise them again this week, man. They're the best team in the NBA, in my opinion, right now. Steph Curry is playing as an MVP. He'd still be my MVP Clay's for a week later. Now. Yeah, dude, the way they're yeah, Clay is coming back yeah. within the next couple of weeks. He might be playing actual basketball yeah. again for Christmas. the first time in two years. Yeah, yeah Christmas time. So, Shit's man, the, things are looking good and for for the the the, okay, or the OKC, the Golden State Warriors, man, because they are clicking on all cylinders. About to add one of the greatest shooters in history back on their to the equation. As much as I love the Suns and what they've done, man, you got to give the Warriors their, their flowers here, dude, because they have earned it. They they snapped the streak, and again, they have been the best team all season long in the NBA. Yeah, Wiggins is finally kind of coming into his own role there. Finally, yes. he was he was he he looked a little lost. I thought they were going to move him this past off season. I thought they were going to try to trade him, maybe for a picks or some another player. Um, but yeah, Wiggins has been holding his own. They have a deeper bench. They got Billy Asia from the Kings, who's a good, uh, versatile player. He can play center, and he can he can be a spread three, spread four too. Um, so they have some good guys come off that bench. Um, uh, Peel has been a good player, or Pool. I mean, Pool has been a really solid player, a good score coming off the bench and starting at times. Um, and then Gary Payton Jr. Uh, yeah. been a baller for them defensively yeah. and um, not a great shooter, but he's very good at getting to the rack. Isn't kind it of, fun to see legacy players like Yeah, man, he, he's so becoming cool. a good player, too. That was because His first year or so, his rookie year, he, was like, he didn't get much playing time, but he's been seeing the floor a lot lately. That's just an impressive team on de- defensively. I didn't expect that their defense to be as good as it is, and it's been really good. Uh, the Suns are scary, too, man, because they're, they're, already, they're already a warranted team to respect because they just came from a trip in the finals. Um, you know, but yeah, I didn't expect the Suns to be playing as good as they are, honestly, because I had them kind of as a uh, a team I felt like going to be a letdown team this year. Um, but they haven't, and but I think the Warriors are the better team still, though, than me. And I think they're going to only be that much better when Clay gets back. I mean, Clay's depending on how he looks, obviously coming off a major injury back to back years um, is, is is something to you know give you some pause, but. The Warriors are scary, man. They are scary. Steph's having one of the best years of his career. This late into his career, he's shooting out of his mind. His leadership has been great. He's out there still being arrogant as hell, and I love it. He's out there, <laughs> you know, taunting refs and shit. That's what you. Oh, I, that's what you gotta love. Yeah, earlier, early on in Steph's career, I, I hated it because I felt like I didn't know who he was. He was still kind of becoming himself, but that's how he's always always been. Obviously, he's got much more respect at this point in his career, and he's balling, man. And that's a scary team. Steve Kerr is coaching his ass off. Monty Williams coaching his ass off. The yep. West, the Western Conference playoffs is gonna be fun this year. All right, uh, I want to get your thoughts on that record-breaking uh, win for the Grizzlies against <laughs> against uh, shellacking man. Uh, well, I personally, I, I love the 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 courage of one Eddie Ortiz. Not just going to uh, OKC in a week to go watch the Lakers trounce that ass. But Eddie is wearing an OKC Thunder hoodie on set today after that victor, after that horrific historic loss. Eddie, I, I don't want to answer this. I want to get your thoughts on this because you're the Thunder fan here. So, Eddie, what would your what was your takeaway on the 74-point victory for the Memphis Grizzlies against your Thunder? It sucked, you know? It sucked. But at the end of the day, we're still a young team. We're a young team. The youngest we, team. Yeah. We, don't, we didn't expect anything from this team. We're not expecting anything from except this team. Except history being made. Except, there's, some, there's some young players on that team yeah, I like, though. Except, except, you know, being the Lakers twice. <laughs> and, I mean, just, hey, wasn't one without LeBron. Let's let's. Yeah, let's but, play. I mean, they still had, a, like, a 25-point uh, lead. They blew it. <laughs> against OKC that just yeah. got blown out by, like, 70-plus. So, I mean, this should make the Lakers fans feel even oh, worse. Oh, absolutely. Worse about their team. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> no, no John Moran on that Grizzly team. Like so. Yeah, Lakers fans, uh, LeBron James fans. Uh, how do you guys feel? Hey, about I don't want to talk. I just cleared protocol, right? I just cleared COVID protocol. I'm putting yeah. fish emojis out there because they got me on a false that positive. Game, yeah, that game just got out of hand. This is one of those games. It's <laughs> one of the worst losses. I think maybe the it's biggest. The, it's the record. The that's, most. Yeah, the worst crazy. loss ever. Yeah, I mean, the previous record was uh, previous record was 69, uh, 69 I believe. Mm-hmm. Two bad nice. teams going at it. I mean, the the Grizzlies without John Moran are not a good team. So it's two bad teams going at it. And one the, one side just got it. hot, and one side just decided to lay down and take like, it. So. If we heard that the Warriors did that to them, like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's still historic, but it's like, yeah, it's Steph Curry, still. you know. Yeah, yeah. still anyone losing John by that Moran much. John Moran out is... there, bro, one of the 15, 20 best players in the NBA. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, man? yeah, yeah. I don't have much else to add to that. I mean, that was just an absolute <laughs> shellacking, man. And, uh, it wasn't that bad if you. Think. Oh, it was horrible. Could, I mean, could Kudos, talking no, about. kudos to OKC for setting a record. Bro, I'm mean? watching. I'm watching the Cowboys Saints game, right? I'm not paying attention to anything NBA yet because I told you guys December is when I really lock in, and it's just oh, about watch. Christmas time, you know. And all of a sudden, I get the ESPN alert: historic loss by the Thunder. I'm thinking, oh, it must have been like a record-breaking, like game-winning buzzer beater for the Grizzlies or something, like some weird history buff thing, you know? And like, no, it's. They lost by 74 fucking points. Like, what the shit? 73, sh- bitch. My bad, my bad, my bad. Let me, let me pull all that back. Get it right. 73 <laughs> point victory for the Memphis Grizzlies. Ah, God. And it wasn't that the game, no, it may not have been the same game, though. Drake was there. Drake was at a Thunder game, and no was- one knew it. Oh, the guy oh. that said next. Yeah, and the guy's like, are, that couple are you sorry? Are you famous? No, because he, yeah, he looked up at the. He looked up at the. Fucking, Some at old the white dude, thing. yeah. And he saw that everybody started cheering. Then he was there, and he was like saying hi. He just kind of like, like what looked the at Drake. What the fuck was Drake doing there, by the way? He's a big at OKC. Okay, see, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, he, was, was the, was he, he might have like been in town for a tour or something. Something I don't know. like oh, there was no like there was no correlation. Or maybe he had there. a shorty out there. You know, he was. If, if Kevin Durant, Steph, uh, if Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, uh, and James Harden were still playing there, it makes sense. I'm just saying. I'm just saying though, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, they're playing there like in 2011. Okay, Drake's there. I get it. Who are you there to see? Gildress Alexander, whatever his name is, like well, who? Yeah, he's a baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like no offense. I like, I like, I like Giddy too, but I think Giddy was out too. There's, I think OKC was like, without a couple players too, but he's a good player. But I'm not, I'm not seeing Drake and you know Juice World and these guys out lined up to go see those guys play. Well, Juice World's dead, yeah. so he can't see. I'm anybody. just saying, like names, like caliber guys, like guys that are up there in the. Hey, if he's I, mean, head, I don't see Travis head. Scott and those dudes. Well, Travis Scott's dealing with lawsuits right now, but I don't see like you know Young Thug chilling at an OKC games. It's kind of weird to see Drake at that game. It was really odd. Still famous? Who Drake? Young Thug? Yeah, Thug's still famous. Of course. Is he still making music? Yeah. Why are you naming like this weird rapper that you like? I, 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 I went Drake and I dropped the I dropped the tear. <laughs> Young Thug's still famous. He's he's producing a lot I just, more. I don't. I, I really tried to figure that. I, I listen to other people like. We need to have him as our intro music. What did he say? He's one of the kings of the mumblers. Good, Hold this L. <laughs> we also saw the Lakers lose to the the Clippers to for the, the ninth Clippers, time yeah, in the twelve matchups. Yes, I was actually going to ask about that. Like, are, I I know I asked I'm you last you, man, week. This, this Lakers team. I know, is I, was like, me I know I asked you last week. Are you worried about this Lakers team? But obviously, we've seen them play against the, the Clippers. And and Without are you wide. even yeah? Are you even more concerned about this Lakers team? I know it's only been a, a game or two since last weekend, but is. Are you more concerned about this team? Is this team going in the wrong direction? Uh, do you think they can they can lift at the right time? Oh, uh, I I'm, I told you guys I'm not going to be concerned until this team. It's late in the season and LeBron James isn't healthy. If LeBron James isn't able to play to the level I know he still can play, then then I am concerned. But I still believe that when LeBron is fully back, which he will be. This team with Anthony Davis and him and these, these casts, I'm saying, 
that when he gets consistently back in the groove where he's played 10, 11 games in the last 13, 14 games, when he starts playing LeBron James-style basketball, you're gonna. I truly believe this, because Russell Westbrook, as much as we wanted to shit on him early in the year, has been playing much better basketball over the last two weeks. Hey, he's, he's, averaging, got, he's averaging about the same amount of points per game, and their stats are almost identical. And he's cut his turnovers in half. Fox. He's cut his turnovers in half. He was averaging over he's five still, and a half <sighs> turnovers a game. He's now down to three turnovers a game, which is sig- <laughs> I'm saying that's significant, though, for Russell Westbrook, because yeah. he's a turnover machine. He was leading the league in turnovers. He has now cut those in half, and he's still averaging 24 eight and nine you get that kind of production add lebron james back to the mix anthony davis has been playing really good basketball when he's been healthy because he's been dealing with sickness as well guys i'm telling you they're gonna find the lineup and they're gonna start winning games my concern is not lebron my concern is not carmelo my concern is not the bench my concern is not the health it's bad basketball by anthony davis anthony davis has been bad this year well he, when he's, been, he's not been good He's, he's, one of the, he's one of the worst three-point shooters in the league. Yeah, he's, he's like 19%. It's been and, bad. And, yeah. and his defense has not been what it is. I mean, his defense is decent at times, but like he has just not been the same this year. And it's not – he hasn't really had any real health issues. He had that little illness, and he had like I think a banged-up ankle or something at one point this year. But overall, he's been healthy. He's been in almost every single game. He's just been not performing. I mean, obviously, LeBron's absences at time has been hurting him. Because uh, AD is just not good at being the guy. Yeah, having LeBron on there to, to, to run the offense helps AD tremendously. Yeah, we've learned that AB, Anthony Davis is never going to be the guy for the Lakers. Of course, or any we team. Saw that. We've seen he that. is a great number two. Mm-hmm. A great number. His maybe, best maybe, seasons came when Rondo was running the offense. Yeah, he's like a more I mean? talented Scottie Pippen, basically. Like Scottie Pippen was never supposed to be an alpha. He was always going to be a great number two. And he's that's far, what he's AD far is. more offensively gifted than than Pippen By was far. in my mind. But yeah, his shooting, man, his shooting's got to get better. Yeah, because this team already doesn't have a lot of sh- good shooters. Right. So they need to depend on AD to score points. Well, the fact he, that he's been, he's been all bad. the issues and absences the Lakers have been dealing with, the fact they're still right around 500 should give you some sort of semblance and solace that they're gonna. This team is too good to not be to not be great, is what I'm saying. Well, and they have a they're lot of, eventually get the there. veterans is what's huge. When come playoff time, the yes. veterans that have the will to win and veterans that don't have any rings that you know. I mean, obviously you have Trevor Reese who's been on some really great teams in his career, but Carmelo. Did he win a ring back with the yeah, day of the Lakers? Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he yeah. won a ring. That's what I'm saying. He's been on some great teams. So he has that experience. Carmelo needs a ring. Yep. Yeah. So. So these guys, DeAndre I, I Jordan. Just, I gotta see some more. This team has just not been good, man. Yeah. It just hasn't, and they haven't really. I don't know who they are yet as a group, as a unit. When LeBron's out there, they look good. The offense looks good. The offense moves around. LeBron finds guys. Mm-hmm. He'll find the Russ, you know, cutting behind the back door. He'll find AD for a, a stop and pop or a three pointer or at the at the rack. But they still lose. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. no, no, they have not been able to close games. They have Their not been. They've been bad. terrible at closing games. Yeah. Their defense has not been as good as we want it to be. Yeah. Um, and they got to get some shooters, man. They got to. Trevor, mean, you, you Horton, watched, Horton being back is is big, big. He's a good energy guy. How many times though throughout the, throughout LeBron's career, especially like in the second second phase after he went back to Cleveland the second time, how many times have we seen this though where LeBron utilized him and his teams utilize the uh, the regular season as the, the building blocks to get to the playoffs? I mean that literally. I'm not worried where, about them not making the playoffs, but I'm saying when right. playoffs times start and the Warriors are the Warriors like LeBron again, got to the, the Suns are the Suns finals. right now. The Le- Nuggets are still the Nuggets. I mean, LeBron got to the finals as the fifth seed in the East. That was what 2016, 2017. Yeah, but he wasn't facing the Warriors. I'm just saying though, like obviously, yeah, yeah obviously that's gonna be a tougher task. There's some good Hawks teams, there's some good Pacers was, teams over look, there. Paul look George, at the, but look at that roster not. LeBron had in that season when he was the fifth seed. That roster was not good. He had like a Mon Shumpert and, and Tristan oh, yeah, Thompson, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they still got to the finals with ease because why? But that was that they was used the regular season to get everybody acclimated. They traded like half their roster. That was a good five years ago where LeBron was five years younger. Also, man, you're gonna tell me right now uh, LeBron isn't one of the five best players in the world still? I'm not arguing that. Yeah. I'm, and the, like, 
I just said, LeBron's never been my problem. LeBron's been great when he's been on the floor this year. Right. His number's been insane. He's still putting up numbers that look like his third year. 39 point it's game. Wild. Night, LeBron's yeah. still getting his. AD has been my issue. Yeah. And we've seen AD not only deal with health issues, injuries, being an injury prone player, and his performance, man. We've seen his performance is not. He's not been confident this year. And he's right. even come out and said, you know, we suck. So if that's in his brain. It's on. It's on tape, man. Yeah. So AD's got to be better for this team. It, I think he's the linchpin of this team. LeBron's going to be LeBron, LeBron but LeBron's going to need teammates to perform, and especially when you're an elite athlete like an AD. AD's got to perform like one. Russ is going to be the engine that Russ is every night. He's going to bring it every single night, no matter what game it is. It could be against OKC in a random, you know, middle of the season game, and they're blowing them out by twenty. Yeah, and, he knows and, better. He knows not <laughs> to mess with us. But the thing is, man, yeah, the Lakers just they they will get a decent lead. But they blow it, man. They've been—I mean, they just do not know how to finish games, and that's just weird for a LeBron-led team to not close out games. You know, that's got—that's something they've got. To, I think once they, like I said, they get all their veteran guys going, that rotation finally gets really going because they—they haven't had their full rotation of guys in yet. So once they get everybody going, I think they'll be able to but, close out games. But better. I mean, will they? Knowing that they're yeah, what, probably the, the oldest team in the NBA. Yeah. So will they stay healthy? Will they be able to? Well, this, this is the funny thing, and, and, and obviously we, we'll, we got the Chiefs-Broncos preview to get to, but yeah. guys, this is what's funny about this, about this whole age thing. I know that they're an older team, but not only historically have older teams still won titles, like, I don't know, the last three Bulls teams, as I broke down a few months ago about how that, those Bulls teams were old, and they were still winning titles. The Lakers in the early 2000s were older rosters, and here's the other thing. The Nets are literally six months average younger than the Lakers this season. Literally six months younger in average. They're also struggling. But they have the best record in the East is what I'm saying. So it's like we can sit here and break down the Lakers' struggles and say, oh, it's the age thing. It's not. It's just that they all got to get healthy at the right time. It's a and performance it's, thing. They just it's have a performance not been playing thing. good basketball. LeBron's exactly. been the only bright spot of this Lakers team, and he's missed like nine, ten games. games. Twelve games, yeah. Yeah. AD yeah. has not even been – dude, I've watched a lot of Lakers basketball already this year, a lot of them. I've watched, and I've watched the matchups with my Kings. Dude, that triple overtime game was hard to watch. Yeah. Like just, they, they should have beat the Kings like four different times. And, and I'm not making excuses for the Lakers, but doesn't it kind of feel like they're kind of just looking at this and going, it's so early in the year, man. Let's just get through this. Let's try to stay healthy. Of course, there's always that argument. And then we're going to flip that Especially switch. for a LeBron team. You could be the ninth yeah. seed and be like, yeah. If they were a young team, the if they were a young team struggling like this, I'd be like, fuck, man, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm really struggling to give confidence. This team is so, they are loaded with guys that have had success and hungry for success individually and have been in this league for a long time. I just think they know, like, okay, it's December 23rd. Let's turn that shit on, man. Let's go. Similar to how we Let's felt go. about the Chiefs yeah. uh, when they were down. Yeah. I, I'm not confident in this, this Lakers team right now, too, but I do. They're all, there's, they'll rise. I, I truly believe they'll there's rise. There's a chance. I don't have them as the one seed. I never had them as the yeah, one seed. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they have a shot at the one seed now, especially. Not with but the Warriors I, and the Suns playing I, where I, they are. Guys, I'm telling you right now, there is a psychological advantage, though, for LeBron against the Warriors, though. If LeBron, and the, if LeBron faced the Warriors with a healthy Lakers team, I'm picking the Lakers. I know that sounds Ooh, crazy now. I would, too. Because it's so early in the hey, year. But, yeah, but there's so much nuance and yeah. context that goes into how healthy the Lakers are. Right, that's and, what I said. A healthy Lakers when team. When Clay Thompson comes back, is he going to be the same guy? Right, uh, there's a lot he, of questions, guys. Is, and LeBron's, like, LeBron took them down in historic fashion. That still is there. I'm telling you, that's still there. LeBron owns the Warriors in a, a psychological without Kevin Durant. It's the same thing with the, the, with the um, Toronto Raptors, too. Yes. He had them beat in their brain. The Boston you know Celtics. I mean? yeah. Once he got himself a team, he started beating the yeah, shit out of the Celtics. Kyrie. They thought Kyrie was going to flip the psychological side. Nope. Nope. Kyrie got his ass Game beat. seven in Boston. Good night. Yeah. Paul Pierce over there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Is uh, what, what we got? What, what's what's happening? Right, last question. Right. Let's, let's let's make this uh, the last question. Um, so I believe this is the first year where Beat Poppy is uh, in the ballot for the Hall of Fame in the M- uh, MLB. Yeah. So I, I did see uh, well, one of the voters. He did post his uh, his his card online on Twitter, uh, but he didn't have uh, Big Poppy selected. Uh, but he had Barry Bonds. So my question to you is. Is Big Poppy making the uh, the NBA MLB Hall of Fame this year, or uh, is like what's more likely, Big Poppy making it, or Barry Bonds finally getting recognized? Uh, I'd be shocked if Barry Bonds makes it this year, not because he doesn't deserve it, because he's the greatest baseball player in the history of baseball. I don't care what anybody says. Mike Trout could go for that eventually, but I think right now, as it stands, a guy that has seven Gold Gloves has over seven hundred home runs. Uh, the most walk player in MLB history. I think he has three times as many walks as he has strikeouts in his career. Uh, Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame already, so it's a shame that we're even talking about this as it currently stands. It's also a shame that that Poppy doesn't get the recognition he deserves because not only was he a larger-than-life personality and one of my favorite players of all time, but he was also the most clutch hitter in the history of baseball. No no one ever compares to him. He literally... In that 0-4 series against the Yankees, the most insurmountable comeback of all time in sports history was three walk-off hits by Poppy in that series. He was the most clutch player, and I hate this. This is where, man, you're going to set me off again. I'm telling you guys right now, it's going to set me off. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to really hone it in right now. I'm, I'm Okay, we're good. All right, so DHs get this disrespect because it's only a one-league position where the AL has a DH, and they think that it's like a fringe player. Well, if you notice, guys, the majority of DHs can do what really well? Hit. Because why? They're called a designated hitter. Can you name me a single DH in the history of baseball better than David Ortiz at hitting? You can't. He broke all of Edgar Martinez's records. Oh, by the way, guys, Edgar Martinez is where? In the Baseball Hall of Fame. So if he can make the Hall of Fame... Poppy should be their first ballot. I think Poppy still gets in. I don't think Bonds gets in this year. So to your scenario, who has the better chance? It's going to be David Ortiz because he doesn't have all those alleged lists. I know that Poppy has had some questions. Nothing has ever been proven that he took any steroids. You guys know I don't give a fuck about that anyway. But some purists do for some damn reason, even though we have guys in the Hall of Fame that literally killed their wives. But, you know, that's not a big deal. But, you know, don't shoot up. Don't use steroids. That, that What are the children going to think? But I, I think Poppy's going to get in there. I think Bonds eventually gets in there. But if I had to take my bet as to who gets in this season, because it's not Bonds' last chance, I think it's going to be Poppy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a shame that he's not already in there already. I, I mean, this is one of the greatest. Oh, you're, talking about, you're talking about Bonds, right? No, this is well, Pop, Bonds. I think this is Poppy's first the chance. Poppy's yeah. first chance, yeah. It's five I, years I, I after retires. Both, in my mind. I think that both these guys should already be in there, man. I think these, these two, are the, two are the greatest hitters of all time. Yeah, uh, and and especially with with Poppy, like you like you laid out perfectly, the biggest moments, the biggest games, Poppy was the guy. He was the key cog to the greatest run in sports history, the greatest comeback in sports history. He was the guy doing it. He was the guy. I mean, obviously that was a great team and great effort as a team coming back, but he was the guy making the biggest hits and the biggest moments in the biggest series in baseball history. Pretty much the greatest comeback ever. And you know, I mean, just for what it meant to those fans, for what it meant, you know, to that that franchise. He's he's a he's a legend, man, and not only Boston sports, but just baseball in general and sports. Everyone knows who Big Poppy is. You know, what I mean, he's one of the most notable notable players in baseball still, and he's not even playing. You know, so he has that voice. He just has everything about him. He has a you know he's a he's a legend. 
Um, so there's, the stats speak for themselves. The records speak for themselves. The clutch records speak for themselves. The, what he did in those games is unmatched, man. He's one of the greatest hitters. I mean, he was, like you said, he's a designated hitter. They have one job, and it's to hit the ball, and he did it better than anybody in his time. So, um, yeah, I just think, you know, I have no doubt in my mind I think he should get in. I think he will get in. The Barry Bonds shit annoys me, too, because I love Barry Bonds. One of the greatest players, if not arguably the greatest. Some people think he is the best hitter and better player of all time. I'm not going to argue that. It is what it is. Me. I think Barry Bonds, yeah, I, I think that argument is valid. Um, you, the, the juice shit is annoying to me as well. I mean, there's a lot of people doing it at that time, so it was fair game. Uh, I think it should be legal in my mind, but it is what it is. Um, I would like to see them both get in, obviously, but I think I think Poppy has a better chance as of right now. I mean, real quick, if you didn't have a name attached to this, okay, you have 1,419 runs, 1,419 runs, 2,472 hits, hmm. 632 doubles, 541 home runs, 1,768 RBIs. Like you hear those numbers, you're like, oh, that's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. What do you line He's a them up? Shoe in. Is that Albert Pujols you're talking about? No, that's David or fucking Ortiz, yeah, dude. man. That's a like, DH. It's a DH, bro. Like, <laughs> He's insane. I mean, look bro. at this is this is 2000 when he when he started. Or I'm sorry, um, um, this is 2003 on. Okay, these are his home run totals: 31, 41, 47, 54, 35, 23, 28, 32, 29, 23, 30, 35, 37, 38. Fuck. Consistency, At 40 bro. years old, he hit 38 home runs and 127 home run RBIs, 48 doubles. I'm telling you, man. With he's a, a 315 legend, batting average at age 40. So I'm saying it's a shame to me that he's not already in. Like, I feel like this, I, mean, I know this is his first chance, but of the dude should have been a shoe in. After that series was over in Boston, that should have been it. He's like, oh, yeah. Just his OPS. His OPS at age 40 was 1.021, which was the fourth highest in his career. At that age, too. Like, OPS. Op- uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that age. On plus slugging, 1.021. One That's at 40 One of the greatest purest, pure hitters of all time. Unbelievable, like, man. Granted, he has a lot of strikeouts, but I mean, DHs That's get just, that. But the that dude's... 315 with that many home runs and RBIs so clutch, at 40 years old. Like, yeah. one, one just... A little quick, a little quick. Yeah. Do you think Sammy Sosa's making it into the Hall of Fame? I don't think so, but I would love to see Sammy in there. I mean, if Bonds makes it, I think I feel like Sammy well, the has difference, to. The difference between Bonds and Sosa was that Sosa wasn't a great fielder. For sure. He, and he had this he had this this little run of home runs. But I mean, we're talking about Bonds D- had a career of talking about David Ortiz getting in because of his being so great at just hitting the ball, which is his position. Again, but, I would have Sosa in the Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would, because he you can't tell the story he's of baseball. An incredible hitter, man. You guys remember the story? Remember after 9-11, yeah. runs out of Chicago out of the bullpen, With the flag. Right, yeah, when he's running, incredible. that was. Just dude, like Sammy he, Sosa's fucking incredible, dude. I remember watching him as a kid. One of the greatest home run swings so, when he jumps. When he hit it, they yeah. jump, do the little jump. Like, yeah, you even can't though, tell Even though he looks without. like a strawberry starburst now, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, got, you, got some, <laughs> you got some big names in Dude, Sosa's, Sosa's a fucking legend, dude. That's funny. He looks like a strawberry starburst. <laughs> he does. You've seen him wearing that pink fedora. He and he's like, like exact chicken. I think he looks like uncooked chicken now. <laughs> yeah. That's what he's like. If you just got like a chicken. Is he still alive? Sammy, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's like fifty-one years old. He's, he's like hermit now. You don't hear yeah. from him much anymore. He's not even old. Yeah, dude. Some of the some of his names. Yeah, the class is. It's what you got. Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez. My favorite player Alex, of all time. Manny Alex, Ramirez. Alex, make it Alex Rodriguez. Mark Teixeira. Uh, Roger Clemens. Uh, Prince Fielder. Holy shit! Barry all Hall of Famers in my mind, man. God damn. Those, all, all those guys <laughs> deserve to be in there. Every single one of those guys should make the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Man. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should already be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's bullshit. Mark, Mark McGuire should be in, or he is now, I think. Uh, Sammy Sosa should get in. Like all these guys should get in. 
It, it's it's like baseball's got to get over these, themselves, dude, what man. These, what does the Hall of Fame stand for? These is the the, the 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 impact these players had for this game and what they did as personal individuals and statistics and the impact overall. No one has done it more than the guys, the David Ortiz, the Barry Bonds, the Mark McGuire's, and the Roger Clemens. All those guys impacted the game. You guys remember, you guys remember my rant back, in the, the, back in the summertime when I said that steroids should not matter and how all these guys, literally, if baseball wants to take this high horse approach and say, you can't make our Hall of Fame because you did this, you cheated, and all this other stuff, even though it was not cheating, it was literally something everybody was doing, then what they should do is take all that money they made off those guys because <laughs> baseball had never been more popular right. than when Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Bonds were doing what Okay, take all that money you made and give it to charity. Donate everything. Delete all their stats. Say their stats don't count. Oh, wait, no, they still are on the books, right? Oh, wait, they still used all those billions of dollars they made off those guys, right? Okay, so if you're going to keep those things intact, then their legacies should stay intact, and they should be where they belong, which is in the Hall of Fame. Alex Rodriguez, I don't give a fuck if he cheated or not. I don't care if he used steroids. I don't care if Roger Clemens did, because you know why? Those guys entertained me, and that's why you watch sports, right? To be entertained. I don't care if Johnny Depp is high as fuck on a set, or Christian Bale was drunk. If those guys are making performances on the on the Put screen the that I like, the game, Lance. yeah, exactly. That's why I told you guys it's no <laughs> different. It's no different than movie stars Think or musicians. Sports athletes are no different yeah. than musicians or, yeah. or movie stars. Yeah. They're entertainers. Or like so WWE, you know, like we all know these guys are juicing in the WWE. If man, Tom Brady we... is HGHing right now. Yeah. I don't care yeah. because he's still bringing people to the TV screen. And it's great for the league. He's great if for the LeBron, NFL. If we find out LeBron is juicing, I don't give a fuck it because the sport. we like it. Yeah. We like them playing, right? We all, Whether you love or hate LeBron or Tom Brady, do we not watch them play? Because why? They're polarizing figures. Yeah, that's why, that's, that's why it should be legal all the way around. Yes. Everyone should have, be able to do it. If you don't want to do it, that's on you. That's on you. you know, Lance Berkman talked about that all the time. About exactly. He did not juice, yeah. and he saw his career start to dissipate because he knew, I can't keep up with these guys that are doing it, but he said it's okay because I chose what I chose. Those guys chose what they chose. Of Come on. This is okay. You got me well done. <laughs> All right. So we actually we're gonna move on, guys. We usually do the Monday mailbag, and I am gonna get to our guy Stan Simmons because he did he was so gracious enough to give us a, a voice note today, as he always does each and every week now at this point. But we are actually gonna do something a little different. I wanted to make this announcement on the show so you guys can hear it and not just see a post on the spoken uh, Facebook group. So instead of doing the Monday mailbag, what we're now gonna do, we're gonna transition to another style. What we're now going to do to be, make it more of an interactive show with you during the show, we're actually going to be reading your guys' comments live on the show, whether it's a question, a concern, a statement, whatever it is you guys want to talk about, we're going to dedicate a time during the show, usually right in the slot of when we use the Monday mailbag, and give you guys that time. So it's essentially the same thing, but it's not going to be a week-long post. It's going to be during the show. You guys post a comment. You guys submit a question, whatever it is you guys want to talk about, just like on the Monday mailbag, and we'll get to that. So that's what we're going to do. Before we get to the uh, actual preview for the Chiefs-Broncos, though, and Eddie, I don't know if we have any comments or not. I don't know if you guys have seen any or not, but I actually want to get to our guy Stan Simmons because he's always got great questions, and he did drop us two lines. So let's get to our guy Stan Simmons and Fresno Cali. Hey, guys, what's up? Well, in a few short weeks, it's going to be Christmas. I remember my childhood growing up in Kansas City, waiting for Santa and opening up presents. My most favorite gifts were getting a bicycle at 8, getting an electric football set at 10, and an air hockey game at 13. What were your most treasured gifts you received at Christmas? Ooh, okay. That's a good question, actually. Mm. Um, 
I don't have to think about that because we don't listen to these before we do the show. Yeah. So this is really on the spot. And I, think I, I, even... I think I have mine. Oh man, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to keep it uh, sports related because this is actually was one of my favorite gifts. I remember back in like 04, 03 or 04, I got a Trent Green jersey. And Trent Green before Patrick Mahomes was my favorite Chiefs quarterback of all time. And I remember literally getting tears in my eyes because I was so excited because we would always play football every single weekend. And I would wear my Trent Green jersey and I thought I was Trent Green because that dude could throw the ball over the field. And I was I always felt so cool like being the Chiefs quarterback. So I'm going to say probably that's... Or our first PlayStation. I was going to say PlayStation. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Well, it was between PlayStation and N64. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, we, dude, we, we got GoldenEye and all that shit. God, oh, my man. Goodness, yes. dude, yeah. So was, that, yeah. The gaming systems for us were so huge. Yes. Because the game, when we were younger, gaming systems were becoming... We have cell phones. They were ev- yeah. evolving as to yeah. like what they are today. Obviously, far more today, but... Yeah, I mean, or it was like the golden era. N64, yep. PlayStation first became a thing, and like you know, a decade later, Xbox came out. But like the early PlayStation N64 days... Some of the best gaming consoles, man. So, yeah, I think N64 or PlayStation were the two for me. Shit. Uh, mine is two, and I remember clearly. The first one is a Super Nintendo. My dad mm, there got, it got us for Christmas. We're still out in Mexico, and obviously we couldn't afford none of that stuff. So uh, we never kind of, like, got the idea of, like, wanting it or anything. We didn't write it on a, like, mm. a, a, a Christmas letter to Santa or anything like that. And uh, one day uh, my dad just brings us a, a, a wrapped gift. And then me and my two sisters, we we opened it, and it happened to be a Super Nintendo. And he had bought a, a Super Mario Bros. Three, I think, that came nice. with it. We play, we as a family, we we probably played it for like months as a family. <laughs> the yeah. system was hot we, when you turned it yeah, off. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> hey, like one one person would die, and then we'll pass the remote to my mom. My mom, she yeah. would die. That's my so dad cool, man. Died, and they that that was amazing. And then the next one was about oh four oh five. My parents got me a, a soccer jersey for my se- favorite soccer team. Mm. They just came one day and they're like, "Here, fuck like, yeah!" He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking love you guys." I believe was that your first gaming system? That was my first gaming nice. system. I, I believe the, the the jersey was either the day before Christmas or the day after Christmas. I can't remember, but it wasn't on Christmas. And I know it was literally by uh, around Christmas. Yeah. So that was that was pretty. That's badass. Yeah, man. I remember. I remember that that system. And we never got one of those for Christmas because Uncle Bo always had one. Remember he had this, and we played like Skater Die and yep. all that stuff on there. Yeah, man. Love was, Super Nintendo. Hell yeah, of course. <laughs> that's actually a good question, Stan. Believe yeah. it or not, I mean, Stan's always got a great fucking. Now I feel the cheer. Exactly. The cheer is here. All right, let's. Uh, Stan's got another question for us, guys. Here we go. Hey guys, second question. Now that we got the feel good question out of the way, I gotta disagree with my man Lance on the past subject. A few months back, Trevor was going to give an L to the NFL for extending the regular season from 16 to 17. I hate the odd number 17 games. I also don't like the second seeded playoff team not getting it by week. I know it puts extra dollars in players' pockets, but it seems uneven and not right to me. How do you both feel about it now? Love that question. I love that question, Stan, and I respect the fact you disagree with me because I understand the the uncomfortability factor that comes along with it. But as I explained when we got the announcement, when we first heard the announcement from Adam Schefter in the NFL that, that they were going to move to 17-game schedule, uh, the reason I was all on Adam board Schefter? with Adam Schefter was the one that broke the news. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was trying to give him credit for gotcha. breaking the yeah, news. Yeah. But, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, when the NFL made that official. Gotcha. The reason why I was on board with it is a few reasons, and I'll stand by it because I think it is still very much working for the league. Obviously, the dollar signs and all that stuff works out. The the economics of it 
makes a lot of sense for the NFL to continue to adapt and always stay ahead, and that's why they're king. They have a great product, and they want to give you more of it. And as us, as us consumers, we're never going to complain for having more football, more meaningful football. But it also puts the pressure on getting rid of preseason games, which is always a great thing for me, always a plus, because it's not real football. It's just the simulation games, and I feel those are very frustrating for us fans. Yeah, they account for a lot of injuries, too. Exactly. That's another Unneeded part of it. injuries. But also, I always go back to this point. It's 1978. When the NFL decided to go from 14 games to 16 games, I don't recall anybody bitching about that back then because, oh, God, we get two more two more games, and the league did what since then? Elevate to a level that no one ever saw coming, right? No other pro league in the history of America has ever been more successful than football is right now. And I think a lot of it has to do with decisions like that, decisions for them to move on from 14 games to 16 games. This 17-game schedule is not going to last. The NFL has been very clear about that. Yeah. They are eventually going to get to 18 games because there is the law right now, the league, the CBA has an agreement that you only can have 20 games total. Well, they can do that as far as the league is concerned, still having an 18-game schedule. You can still get away with only a 20-game schedule if you keep it within 18. Mm -hmm. That's what's ultimately going to happen because I agree. The odd number is odd, but that's not going to be a long-term thing. By the end of this next CBA, you're going to have an 18-game schedule. That's what's going to happen. And I believe there will be two, team, two seeds with the bye week. And two seeds with the bye week back. will come back. That yeah. will come back because of the odd schedule, they have to keep it to one. But honestly, guys, I'm going to be real with you. When it comes to the one seed getting the bye week and only the one seed, I actually like that. Mm -hmm. The reason why is because it adds incentive for you to fight for the one seed. Because yes. if you know, oh, well, I can be 11 and 5 and get the, one, the two seed yeah, and get, get that bye. bye week still. There's not as much incentive for me to play later in the season and you lose quality games as the season progresses yeah. so the teams don't stop they stop playing for seeding in week 15 and 16 as opposed to teams going hey we're two games out and we got four games left but to we're go. adding another team into the playoffs though what's that so we're, they're adding another team into Absolutely. the playoffs though so i mean a second bye week still makes sense though because i mean you could say the other teams that that wouldn't have made it previously into into a wild card spot can now yeah. so those teams can like oh well, you know we can still make it into the playoffs with this record like i still feel like that that kind of mindset still will exist when they add another team. If they didn't add another team in another playoff spot and there's only one bye week, that would make sense. But teams teams can still stumble into the playoffs with the you know five hundred record. Right. You know, so I I, I, think I, I, think I, I, like, I see that but I think I like that better, the the, the one seed getting the bye week. Because you earned it, you know yes. what I mean? As a as a being the best the best the best team out there. So I mean but I mean, the, the top seed isn't always the best team, but, though. But for me, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, but, the, 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 but if you earn that one seed, no, regardless like, if you're the best team or not, you should yeah. get the bye week. But for the, me, only the only to, to 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 your to your, to your idea. What I think they should do, uh, kind of going on your idea, is mm. go away from divisions. And then go oh, from. Oh, shit. From We've been top, on that for years, man. Just yeah. conferences. Top to bottom. I don't like divisions in sports. Best period. records. Best, best records, seven, yeah. eight records yeah. get the playoffs. There you yeah. go. That's, I, think, I think that's an archaic structure. And, that, that, I mean, the way, and I will say this, too. I think why the NFL is doing this, I don't like it this year. I mean, obviously, this is the first year we're doing it. So this is going to kind of like, you know, we'll see how the playoffs play out. Year. Oh yeah, it was, it was last year. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Still, I do think I do. I would like in one more game, make it an even number. Just everything's it's happening. Of, it's gonna happen. Yeah. So once we get to that point, I think I'll like it better. And I do think I want to say this too. I think the NFL is as big as it is already, as the juggernaut in sports it is already. I think it's still growing, which is scary. Which is why I think we're, we're talking about implementing and starting new franchises, you know, abroad and things like that. I think so, once that happens, dude, so the NFL is gonna. I, I think when they add the 18 games, mm. I think there will be two franchises that come into this league. I, I, I do. I, yeah, I do see it. I mean, I think yeah, I think the UK definitely wants yes. a team. So I think sure. I think if they go into 18 games, you will see two new franchises in this league. That's exciting. I don't. I'm not big on 
the travel. I'm sure the players aren't too happy about maybe having to travel abroad for games like that. With no, the they time, will not be happy. The about time that. differences and things, the jet lag that they'll yeah. probably experience. That's gonna what be I, rough. What I, what I would love the the NFL to do is kind of go east and west, yeah. kind of like the west and the east, and mm-hmm. then. Obviously, you'll, you'll you can't have, have divisions anymore if you go yeah, international. That's, that's, you can't. That's what I'm saying. So I think how you can have a team go out, you know, play a team that plays in London twice a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to go there every single year like that. Fuck that. Yeah, no that, way. That would be hard on players. But I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the NFL. But I feel like the NFL, the NFL is only doing this because change only really comes when growth is happening. You know what I mean? It's you can't you can't be regressing and wanting you know to change. And like, you can't change. expect yeah you They're, can't expect the league to stay the expanding. same forever. Yeah, man. the league is expanding. I think it's I think they see dollar signs elsewhere yeah. and there's other opportunities. I mean, Forty three years ago, they saw that potential yeah. and they took and it. it only and it did only what? elevated yeah. the game. If they stuck to fourteen games, yeah. you're gonna tell me that this game would be the exact same as it is right now? No. Well, more than ever, the the the, the fan base abroad has been growing tremendously. Yeah. Our guy Brad especially Simcox the UK. out there, Brit Chief can yeah. attest to that. Especially in the UK for sure. I think it only makes sense for us to do that but I think the players are going to be you know not too happy but it will be cool though to see maybe the UK and the, the European countries you know maybe start developing some good football players because there's already a shit ton of great rugby players yeah. on that side of the world so who knows if a lot of those rugby players athletes can can become football players you know and maybe translate yeah player. I mean we that, that would be kind of cool to see that evolution of the UK becoming a football kind of you know part of the world yeah. that would be kind of cool to see yeah I do see if they add two more teams to, to this to the NFL, I do see him going away from division. It is funny watching those games so. when they are over there, even in Mexico too. It's like yeah. you you look in the fa- in the stands and it's like a mixture of all these different jerseys and different teams. Yeah. It's like it's which funny. is fucking amazing. It's yeah, like, it is cool. It's, it's it's great. It's great. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. Which I do think Mexico and and the UK will be the two yeah. extend, expansion teams. That's Mexico it, makes a lot of sense. I, I'm still me. not big on the yeah. UK thing. I probably never yeah, will Mexico's be. So but close. I don't want to be a hypocrite here and talk about change is good and then sit here and try to downplay what that could potentially bring to the NFL. I've just yeah. never been big on the whole international aspect. I would like it to stay more in house in America because I think that's only fair to the players because Money. we see that we see how players don't want to play for the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Free agents do not want to go there because they don't want to play in fucking Canada. Yeah. They, you know what I mean? They don't want to go internationally all the time. It's annoying. So. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi didn't want to stand after he won a ring. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I know Mexico, there's a new stadium that's going to come up here. Uh, they're probably going to break around uh, next year, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, with uh, NFL in mind. So yeah. this stadium is going to be built for soccer and NFL. So. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We appreciate our guy Stan Simmons. And like I said, we would love to hear from all you guys. That's why we do this. You guys are just as much a part of this show as we are. But we are going to transition from the Monday mailbag to now live on the shows. We'll come up with some clever name, I'm sure. Uh, But we just wanted to let you guys know that now on the show. So that way you guys are fully equipped and ready to go for next week. And you guys can chime in and get your guys' voice heard as well. We need to get to our Chiefs and Broncos preview. I'm so excited we're finally going to be talking about a Chiefs game game like I said at the beginning of the show um look I I I have to be honest with you guys because I'm, I'm trying to give you an opinion that is balanced and honest and upright as I always try to do but I can't hold it in guys I I am so excited about this Chiefs Broncos game and it's not just because it's an historic Chiefs versus Broncos rivalry historic game and I was really looking forward to getting Jason's thoughts on this but we'll talk about it in a recap next week with him but to tap into the mind of of knowing what this game means just in the divisional aspect of things is immense but the biggest reason I'm excited is not about the matchup when it comes to the historics of this or the fact that the Chiefs won 11 straight games against the Broncos it's the fact that 
I truly believe the Chiefs are going to win this game convincingly. I know that's not been something they've been doing lately. Well, of late, they actually have been. They beat the, the Raiders soundly in Las Vegas, and they beat the Bron the Cowboys by double digits. But that's not something they've been doing all season long, and quite frankly, over the last two seasons. They've not been beating teams convincingly. Mm -hmm. But guys, I, I really believe there is something to the Chiefs owning the Broncos. I know they've had the Chiefs have had their struggles. But coming into this matchup, I think that the Broncos are catching the Chiefs a lot like the Raiders did, which was at the absolute worst time. The Broncos are coming into this game on a big win, just like the Raiders were coming into the Chiefs game. They were feeling pretty good about themselves as well. And then what do you see the Chiefs do? Annihilate the Raiders. There's something to the Broncos this season that I think that we need to address, and I told you guys that I would. It's, it's it's the fact that this team has been so up and down in matchups that they've had throughout the season. I'm going to break this down. And, and Vic Fangio, guys, is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. But Patrick Mahomes has had very little difficulty playing at a high level versus Fangio's defenses. Not only is Patrick Mahomes 4-0, the Chiefs are 4-0, he completes 75% of his passes, has 234 yards per game, four touchdowns, and only one interception with a 111 quarterback rating. And the yards and to touchdown totals may not like jump off the board for you, but you have to know there's context to it. Like the fact that in 2019, their first matchup, uh, Fangio versus Mahomes, Mahomes only threw for 76 yards and a touchdown, but completed 10 of his first 11 passes before ex exiting game exiting the game due to a knee injury. Yep. So he was on pace to just absolutely throttle them. And then the second time they faced, Mahomes only had 200 yards and one touchdown, but that's because the defense and special teams scored a touchdown and was 30-9 before the fourth quarter. So he didn't really have to go off there and do what he needed to do. But we've seen Patrick Mahomes have a lot of success against Fangio's defenses. And I don't expect that trend to change at all because as I broke down on Twitter a couple days ago, guys, although the fact the Broncos have, the, have given up the 10th fewest passing touchdowns and 8th fewest passing yards this season. They faced the 26th, 31st, 27th, 16th, 24th, 17th, 19th, 22nd, and 15th ranked defenses outside of the Cowboys and Eagles. Now, they played very well against the Cowboys, but I think that we're all starting to see again, as I said earlier in the show, that the Cowboys are a pretty fraudulent team. They're very talented, but longevity-wise, they were not a team that I think was going to be able to sustain the type of offensive success that they had early in the year when they were averaging 32 a game. That just wasn't realistic, and that's starting to show. And they uh, they played very well against the chart. They played very well against the Chargers last week. But guys, this is what I'm talking about. They go and blow out the chart. They go out and blow out the the Raiders or the the Cowboys. And the very next week, get blown out by the Eagles. And I think there's a trend here because now they're coming off a game like I said against the Chargers, where they go out there and win 28 to 13. They come into Kansas City. There's a trend here because, like I said, from the Cowboys game to the Eagles game, you saw a night and day difference. I think that's what we're going to see in this game, guys. I think that you look at a team like the Broncos, who, again, are stout defensively, have a ton of talent on offense, where you have you know your Cortland Suttons, you have your Patricks, you have your run games and Javante Williams. Jerry, you have, Jerry Duty. Yeah, they have Jerry Duty. They have yeah. good talent. Mm -hmm. But their offensive line is extremely banged up. I was talking to Grant Morris from Arrowhead Live this week about that. He's a little more concerned about this matchup than I am. And I explained this to him, that when you have both a bad offense Offensive line, which the Broncos currently do with their banged-up offensive line. They were supposed to be much better with Garrett Bowles and those guys. They're all banged up. Some of them might not even play in this game. Mm -hmm. But if they do, they're going to come out there 50, 
60% at best. Not to mention the fact that you have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who's a good, solid stopgap quarterback for a team that's looking for their quarterback, which is the Broncos. But he's not a guy that's going to go out there and win you games. He's a guy that, if he doesn't throw any interceptions, is going to give you just enough to hang into the game. Well, that's not enough against the Chiefs, because as we've seen over the last two games, the Chiefs have dominated two very good quarterbacks, Dak Prescott and Derek Carr. Good running backs. Beat the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Held them both under 15 points. They both scored a combined 23 points against this Chiefs team. Held Dak Prescott out of the end zone. Why am I going to sit here and try to convince myself that Teddy Bridgewater is going to do anything better than that? Guys, the Chiefs have not allowed an opponent to score more than 17 points in a game in a month. And the Broncos are the 23rd ranked offense in the mm-hmm. league. Yep. With a banged up offensive line, with a team that knows that they are going to fire their coach at the end of the season and have a different quarterback at the end of the season, what am I supposed to do in this matchup other than to say the Chiefs are not only the better team, not only the hotter team, but are going to come into this game with the better attack. They have the better roster. They have the better quarterback. They have the better coach. They have an energized and fueled up fan base that's going to come into this primetime game. That was the worst the worst thing they could have done to the Broncos for this one because they come back feeling good about themselves, beating the shit out of the Chargers in an afternoon game. What do they get rewarded with? A primetime game in Arrowhead Stadium against a team that has won four straight games. I know Patrick Mahomes has not played great to the level that we expect him to, even though he's third right now in yards and fourth in touchdowns or third in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I truly believe, guys, I don't, I don't think the Chiefs are going to score 40 in this game. But I think the Chiefs are going to win this game convincingly. I think there's a better chance that the Chiefs win this game by multiple touchdowns than lose. I don't, guys, I can't, I looked at this matchup all week and I can't find a reason why the Broncos can win this game. I think the Chiefs can lose this game. I think the Chiefs can find a way to just blunder it, give up the ball three or four times like they did against the Chargers early in the year. They have that type of game, sure, I can give the Broncos a chance. But even in that scenario, they had to have Justin Herbert. You have to have a Justin Herbert to kind of win that game, and they won by six. And the Chiefs turned it over on three straight possessions. So unless the Chiefs have a, a type of game where they turn the ball over three or four times in a row, there are no scenarios where the Broncos can come in here and win this game by the way that both teams are playing. Again, I want to give the Broncos credit. They have played well defensively this season. But when you have the schedule they had to start the year off, your numbers better to look that good. When you're facing the Jets and the Texans and the Giants to start your season off, you better look that good in warm weather. But when it starts to get cold and it starts to get a little bit tighter and you're playing for playoff seeding and there's things that actually matter on the table and on the line, I'm not betting on Teddy Bridgewater coming here and beating Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. That's just not happening. So as I currently sit here and look at this matchup, guys, and I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts, because we have not talked about this matchup really at all all week long. We have not, in our personal time, talked about this. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by about 14 to 17 points. Mm. I think this is going to be a blowout. I think the Chiefs are going to go in there and dominate, because here's the thing. The Chiefs also know this is a game they have to win, because for the next four weeks, they have three divisional games. Mm-hmm. They have to win this game. They go in here, they have in the next 11 days, not only do they have three games in the next 11 days, they have three divisional games. So they need to go in there and win this game and then play the Raiders next week at home again, and then they have a short week in L.A. against the Chargers. This is a game they need to win to give themselves that much more of a cushion against the Chargers and the Broncos and the Raiders for the AFC West divisional crown. Sure, what are your yeah, thoughts? I mean, there's only one way I see the Chiefs losing this game, and it has to be by turnovers, by us beating ourselves. Um, I do want to I do want to give kudos to the Bron- the Broncos defense though. There's only been a couple games where they've really allowed 30 plus points. Um, just I'll just give you the score totals of all their games as far as what they've allowed. So, granted, this the Giants they only allowed 13 points to the Giants. Jaguars 13 points. Jets zero points. 
Uh, they gave up 23 points to the Ravens. They lost that game. They gave up 27 to the Steelers. Um, they gave up 34 to the Raiders. Uh, and then they gave up only they only gave up 17 to the Browns, only 10 to Washington, only 16 points to the Cowboys. And the, that touchdown that, that gave them 16 garbage was time. garbage time. Yeah. They're up 30 to nothing. Yeah, in the game. and they, only, they gave up 30 to the Eagles, uh, 13 to the Chargers. So this defense has been consistently very good. Um, they have, but you do, like you said, they haven't played many great offenses. Um, I I think this is going to be more of a defensive game, though. I do. I think this is going to be because our I, our offense hasn't been right yet. It really hasn't. We've had we had that good game against the Raiders. We needed that, but this is a far better defense than that Raiders defense, and I'm giving them the respect. Um, there was a couple, and the only reason a couple of those teams like the Steelers uh, and the Raiders scored thirty north of thirty was because of some turnovers from the Broncos. That could definitely happen, but I don't think it's going to be like a big blow-up spot for Pat. I think Pat could go out there and throw for one or two touchdowns, um, but I think, I think this is going to be one of those games where our defense just does what it does, maybe force a couple turnovers on Teddy B, because uh, I think we're going to give Teddy B hell. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a rough day. Our defense is just playing great right now, and so is theirs. So I think this is going to be one of those games where we win like 21-7, to 21-10, to 10, Um I don't think there's gonna be a lot of touchdowns scored in this yeah. game. I really don't. I do think we win, I do think we win by double digits, but it's not gonna be like some epic blowout where we're like 35, 40 points. I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. If that does happen, I think it will be because we have like a pick six or a defensive touchdown or a yeah. few forced turnovers, and we put our offense in great scoring position right off the bat, and we we you know rush a couple, throw a couple. I think it's gonna be one of those kind of games, but it's not gonna be like Pat's gonna go out there and throw for four hundred and four. I don't think that's gonna happen. I have a lot of respect for this defense hasn't allowed any quarterbacks to really go off on them. Yeah. Uh, the one they did, I think um, Jalen Hurts had a big game against them because he was just running all yes. over them. Pat's not gonna do that. No. Um, it's a very tough defense to throw on, man. It really is. Um, but Teddy B will give us the ball, and I think that's gonna happen a couple times. Um, and they're down Melvin Gordon, which is a big loss because they are a run first offense and they depend on that defense. So, Javante Williams, I think, is the better back, though, at this point. I, I, I love that rookie. I think he's an absolute stud, and he's very good at receiving the ball, too. But so he's capitalized on having we, Melvin Gordon if, yeah, next to him. If we stop him, if we stop that running game, and they're without Melvin Gordon, that's a huge loss. So, they don't have that double-headed monster. Yeah. That's been a good good tandem all year. But if we can stop uh, Javante um, from getting, you know, because he's averaging five yards a carry right now, very good running back in this league. Um, so, if we stop him... Get after Teddy B. This game's done. They have no chance against us. If they have to pace us, especially if we're putting up, you know, a touchdown or two early, and they have to pace us, this game's over. Yep. That, that's not an offense that can play from behind and win games. Yep. Um, that's what happened in the Raiders game. They got down early, and the Raiders just took advantage. And Waller had a good game. They ran the ball well, and they, they, there was no looking back. And I can see that definitely happening. Um, I think the most points we score is thirty in this game. I don't think us. I don't think we're gonna like get off. I have this respect I have for that defense. Uh, but like you said Pats played well against Van Gio, Van Gio's defenses. Um, this is a young, fast, tough defense. Bradley Chubb's back, and he's been making his presence known. Um, just got to stop the run. If we stop them from scoring points, we're going to get ours. We'll win by double digits in my mind. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too afraid of this matchup. Uh, I mean, like you guys said, I think the only way we can lose this game is, is turnovers. Mm-hmm. I think us being ourselves uh, would, would definitely be the only way the Broncos win. Uh Offensively wise, for both teams, they're they're both struggling. They're they're both not great offenses. Uh, yes, we have the a better, far better talent in offensive wise, but they haven't proved it. They proved it against uh, uh, a collapsing Raiders team that uh, obviously beat the Cowboys, but that's another story. But uh, yeah, I I just don't think that the Broncos and the Chiefs offenses are going to come out and and you know put up massive points up. The defenses are playing great. 
Uh, our defense is definitely playing way better. It's a completely different defense. I don't recognize this defense from the beginning of the season. And then, obviously, the Broncos are playing good defense. And Patrick Mahomes has struggled against good defenses. And hopefully, this is not the case. But we've seen when Patrick Mahomes plays a good defense, he he, he turns the ball over. The offense turns the ball over. We have uh, Travis Kelsey dropping catches. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tra- Tyreek Hill uh, dropping passes. Uh, Miko Harmon dropping pa- So, it, it, it all comes down to what defense is going to allow how many points. So... I can see this being a close game, uh, mid twenties uh, in the goals. points, a lot, a lot of field goals maybe. Yeah. Uh, I I don't see them either getting anywhere near thirty. Uh, I would like I said may, maybe mid twenties, uh, maybe low twenties. I just think this is going to be a battle of the defense. Could be like that Giants game. The kinda. Giants, yeah. It's just going to be a battle of the defense uh, of, of the defenses. I, I think it's going to come down to who's. <clears throat> Who's a better defense? Uh, who's more consistent? Who's, yeah. So yeah, they've been uh, and yeah. they've been consistent defensively. I'll, I like I said, I, yeah, I Vic, Vic Fangio is one of the best minds in football when it comes to scheming up defenses, and they've played decent against the Chiefs over these last couple of years defensively. They've been competitive but, games, but the Chiefs have won every single game outside of one since Patrick Mahomes been here by by at least double 11 digits. Eleven straight. So and in in their uh, in the Broncos' losses this year, they've given up over twenty two points a game. Mm-hmm. And their and their wins, they're only giving up eleven points a game. So the only way, again, are you going to keep the Chiefs to eleven points? I don't see that as a realistic scenario. I know the Chiefs have not had great offensive outings throughout the year, but if I'm putting my money on what the Chiefs are going to do, are they going to score over twenty-two or are they going to score less than twelve? And I'm going to say, I'm gonna the, say they're going to do with the the first one. But I'm going to say about, again, in respect to that Broncos defense, a lot of those points that they've allowed were not entirely on them because they've been on the field a whole lot because Teddy Teddy Bridgewater and Turnover. and or whatever quarterback has been in there has been turning the ball over a lot. Right. And so when that, that offense is bad, their offense they have weapons, but their their quarterback play has just been bad, one right. of the worst in the league. So Teddy Bridgewater has not worked out there. Uh, prime time, big lights. I think Teddy Bridgewater is gonna. This is a great collapse spot for him just to absolutely be terrible. And I I'm expecting that to happen and, before anything else. And the reason I'm so confident in this matchup is two reasons. One obviously is because of Andy Reid after the bye. I know yeah. he's sick of talking about oh, this. Yeah, yeah, he's nineteen and three after the yeah, bye. We didn't bring that up. Okay. And here are the Chiefs, and here's Andy Reid and the Chiefs after the bye since 2013. There's a correlation here. They lost 27 to 17 versus the Broncos, won 23 to 20 versus the Chargers, won 29 to 13 versus the Broncos. That was Peyton Manning's mm. torching game. Um, won 26 to 10 versus the Raiders, won 12, lost 12 to 9 versus the Giants, the game that couldn't believe Alex Smith was still playing. Yeah. Won 40 to 33 versus the Raiders, the first game after Kareem Hunt was gone. Won 40 to 9 versus the Raiders, and then won 35 to 31 versus the Raiders. Do you guys see any correlation there? It's kind of good that after the bye. Yeah. Seven of the eight games they have faced after the bye with Andy Reid to this point have been against AFC West opponents, and they went six and one in those games. The Broncos, the Chiefs only lost one time in that span to the Broncos, and that was in 2013. Mm, that was Peyton Manning. Peyton I mean, Manning in his, still at his apex yeah. when they put up historic numbers. Balling out of his mind. Here's another thing. The Chiefs are not only seasoned because of Andy Reid and his experience in being able to tighten the screws for a bye week when he gets an extra week to study for a team. It's also the fact that the Chiefs are far more seasoned in games like this than the Broncos are. The Chiefs, to this point of the season, have already faced six top 15 defenses, and four top 10 defenses. Mm -hmm. And they've beaten three of them. So, 
Look, I don't mean to downplay what the Broncos are defensively, but when you equate Teddy Bridgewater, like you said, Trevor, and how much they've had to be on the field because of his inability. Oh, our defense is a blow. This is a blow spot for our defense you're more ta- than Yeah, you're talking yeah. about the Chiefs are not facing anything they're unfamiliar with. They're not going to go into this game and go, oh, fuck, this is a really good defense. What the fuck do we do? This is what they've been facing all year. The Chiefs have had maybe the toughest schedule in football. Mm. They've faced, what, seven playoff teams yeah. already? Yeah. we got six games to go. So my point is, the Chiefs are prepared for this. If this was an early season slate, I'd be like, man, I don't know, guys. The Chiefs are struggling. Like, I don't think they're two and four-ish right now. Like, I don't. I think the Broncos are going to win this game. Like, their defense is so, no. The Chiefs have been through hell and back. Like, this is the kind of game where I don't think they're sweating it. I don't mean they're not. They're not respecting the Broncos. This is not a trap this, game for the Chiefs. This, yes, exactly. This even not- though, even though there's a bunch of divisional games on the on the uh, horizon. This is a game where I think the Chiefs have been amped up and ready to go for. I think they're going to come to this game motivated as fuck. And which is why I want to segue into the final portion of this preview. When it comes to key players in this game, the guy that I look at defensively on this, I'm actually going to give two defensive players my key players of this game. Hmm. Because I agree with Trevor. I think this is going to be more of a defensive game. And I think there's actually going to be a defensive score in this game. I think the two key players in this matchup are two guys that no one is saying, well, of course, Lance, no shit. But I, I think that this guy's finally going to get his stats. It's Melvin Ingram. I think because he's not gotten stats. This year. I think he's only got six tackles. I think we're going to blitz Zero sacks. Down. I think he gets multiple sacks in this game. Mm. I think Melvin Ingram makes the key plays in this game defensively when it comes to sacks. But then on the, uh, the other side of it, guys, there is a legacy being built up from one cornerback on this team, and it is Lord Jerry Sneed. He's finally getting the recognition nationally that he deserves. Pro Football Talk, PFF, all these articles, all these websites are starting to put Lord Jerry Sneed out there. I think he's going to put himself out there even more on the national stage. I think you're going to hear Chris Collinsworth going, this Lord Jerry Sneed character, let me tell you, Al, I think he's going to do whatever it takes to get himself in Canton. Back to you, Al. Like, I think you're going to see the slide and like, Lord Jerry Sneed. I think you're going to see something like that where Lord Jerry Sneed makes a big key pick. Trevor, you talk about turning the ball over. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have multiple turnovers in this game, and my boy Lord Jerry Sneed is going to get one of those. So those are my two key players. I've never done that this season where I had both players on one side of the ball. I think my key players are Melvin Ingram and Lord Jerry Sneed. Patrick Mahomes, I think he's going to have a decent game. He's like 270, 275, two touchdowns. Solid game from Patrick. But I don't think it's going to be a game where the offense is just killing the defense. I think this is a game where our defense, the Chiefs defense, puts them in prime position, puts Patrick in great field position. I think the special teams plays very solid because that's another portion that people aren't talking about. The Broncos are terrible on special teams. They're the second worst special teams unit in the NFL. I think that plays a key factor. I wouldn't be shocked if we get a special teams touchdown from the Chiefs now that Mike Hughes is back in his role, McCole Hardman's been benched. I think that you're going to see the Chiefs win on all three phases of this game. But those are key players. Trevor, who are you? Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is one of the worst quarterbacks facing blitz, and I think Spags is going to have himself a field day mixing up some blitz packages here, some stunts and some twists and some things he's going to throw out there. I think he's going to I, I, I think my guy is going to be Willie Gay. I think mm-hmm. Willie Gay, because we haven't seen him get mixed into a lot of blitz packages yet, and he's great yeah. at blitzing. He's very fast, very athletic. I, I like the middle of our defense this week, uh, because I think if you blitz up the middle and you bring a lot of pre- obviously this includes Chris Jones, but um, I'm, I'm saying Willie Gay because I think they're going to really target Chris Jones and try to keep him from getting up the middle. And I think that's going to open up some slot for Willie Gay. It could be Bolton, too. It could be Hitchens. It could, I, I like our linebackers uh, uh, um, 
uh, in this game, bringing some pressure, maybe some added blitz pressure up the middle. Um, you know, uh, I just I don't know. I just like because when you when you force Bridgewater out of the middle of the pocket, he needs to have a pocket. He's terrible when he has to escape and make a play and throw downfield. He's 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 bad. So I think that's I think that's going to be a, a key thing for our defense. I think Spags is really going to try to bring a lot of pressure up the middle. I mean, Frank Clark could definitely have his game off the edge. Um, that could definitely happen too. Obviously, with the middle being the pressure being there in the middle, I think forcing Bridgewater, uh, stopping the run, and forcing Bridgewater out of the pocket quickly is going to be huge for this defense. Um, and that could allow opportunities for the Melvin uh, Ingrams and, and the Frank Clarks of this defense too. But I think I think um, I think Willie Gay has a couple plays in this game and kind of wows us again because it's been a couple weeks since he's had like because he had those two straight games with interceptions. And we're like Jesus Christ, this guy is the man. It's been a couple weeks since he's really had a play like that. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to feast on 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 the weaknesses of Teddy B. I think using him in some in some middle linebacker blitz packages to bring pressure to the middle. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to try to double-team Chris Jones in the middle. So I think that's going to open up some, some some spots for him to, like, sneak in there and maybe get a sack or two. This is a bad offensive line, guys. They're yeah, banged so up. So I think pressure up the middle is going to be huge against Teddy Bridgewater, forcing him out of the pocket. And I think, uh, I think Willie Gay is going to have a couple plays. Could be a pick, too. But I think, I think there's a chance where he gets a – a blitzing sack. Yeah. So I like Willie Gay. All right, Eddie, who you got, man? All right, man. I got one offense, one defense. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go offense with. Uh, I think Byron Pringle's gonna have a. I gonna. I think he's gonna have himself a game this That's week. That's a good call. Uh, I, I think. That's a hot one. I like that. Yeah. If it's something happens, he, he, he has, has those games though. He has those games. <laughs> yeah. This is a has, good defense. He has. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He has those games. And I think this this is where they're going to utilize them the more the most because I think yeah uh, I think uh, Tyreek and uh, Travis Kelsey will, will probably more than likely be double teamed this this series and I can see Byron Pringle because Josh, uh, Josh Gordon's going to get he's probably going to get some yards but I think the the main target is going to be Byron Pringle because he's he's, <laughs> he's a little quick he's a little he's, he's good uh, he's a good route runner not great mm-hmm. so I think uh, Tyreek and Travis Kelsey being double teamed kind of helps him a little bit. Uh, with getting open, those quick, those quick uh, slants, uh, Patrick Mahomes, those dig nuts. So I think uh, Barapun can can have have himself a, a great game. That kind of like that Miko Harmon kind of game, where uh, Miko Harmon had like a uh, hundred yards and like a couple touchdowns or some shit like that, with like four or five catches. So I think he's gonna have himself that kind of game. Uh, let's hope so. But uh, and then on the defense, I, I, I'm with you. I think Melvin Ingram is gonna be the guy. He's gonna he's gonna put the pressure in there. I think he's finally going to get his sack with the Chiefs, especially being a uh, uh, fucking division opponent. Him being with the Chargers mm-hmm. and has mm-hmm. faced the Broncos he previously. Knows the Broncos. He knows he knows how that system works a little bit. So I I, I can see uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, putting in some work. We saw what he did against the Raiders and. He, he put in some work, so I, I think he's going to be able to put, put in some work. This, this All right, week. real quick. I am picking the Chiefs to win this game convincingly. I think it's going to be a 17-point victory for the Chiefs. Trevor, do you have the Chiefs winning this game? I do. Did you have an offensive player that you wanted to talk no, about? No, I, I said both of the key players okay. for me are going to be defensive well, me, players. I just want to throw out a, um, a kind of a sneaky offensive player I think could have a decent game. I think we're going to have some three to two, some two to three tight end sets. Uh, I think I think we're going to need some added protection for Pat because this is a very good defensive line. Bradley Chubb is back, yeah. and he's good. Um, this is this is this is a defense that gets after the quarterback well. Um, not not even necessarily with blitzing. They have a good front four there that get after the quarterback. And Pat's had some struggles there, you know, with that with getting away from the, the you know dealing with good front fours. Um, so I think with the added additions of more snaps for these tight ends, I think Noah Gray has a sneaky chance here of uh, being one of the receptors of a touchdown. Um, we've seen them try to get him involved more this past couple weeks, and he's looked good. He's you know he's he had that. Um, it had one drop, I think, but it wasn't really his. It was kind of a shaky pass. 
Uh, they, they've, they've been targeting him, having him in these red zone packages, and I think there's a good chance where he can sneak in because there's going to be so much focus on that defense and on uh, stopping Travis Kelsey. And I think that, I don't think Travis Kelsey's going to have a great game here. I think, um, I think with that, I think Noah Gray has a chance to get a touchdown, maybe a, a, a few catches uh, in this game. I know you like the sneaky play of uh, Pringle, which is a good oh, yeah. call, too. I think there's a good chance. He shows up in games where yeah, we're struggling. Exactly. He'll have like a big play. So, so that's 20, a good call. So I think these these secondary options in our offense have a chance to get some plays because there's going to be so much focus on this defense of stopping Tyreek and Travis. Yes. Um, even McCole can have a chance to have a, a random blow-up game here, too. So I, I, I like the secondary options in our offense. So I think – I think we'll see more tight ends out there this week, so I think Noah Gray has a good chance to catch a few passes and possibly a sneaky touchdown. Shit, if we're talking about sneaky, I know I'd said Pringle, but you can say Josh Gordon. I think Josh Gordon could finally, could finally, have, a could finally have that zone. game that Lance has been waiting for for, <laughs> for the past uh, We've all been waiting for it, man. We've all been waiting for it. So Josh Gordon could be that guy, you know, so we'll see. So, yeah, I think, I think the Chiefs win, though. I think the Chiefs win by double digits. I, I don't think this is going to be like a – I don't think it's going to be a game where we're like tense and like worried. I think our defense is going to be so good. Um, I think we're going to have to get after Teddy B. I, but I do think we score like 24 to 21 to 24 points, and they score maybe 10 to 13 points. I don't think they score more than one touchdown, the Broncos. If they do, it'll be in garbage time where we're already up by double digits, and it's going to matter. Um, I, it, it has a similar – I have a similar feel to it than uh, kind of how I felt with the Giants game. Mm-hmm. I think we'll score more than the Giants game than we did in that game because I think – I just think coming off a bye week, I think Andy Reid's going to have some things up his sleeve that are going to be like, what the fuck? Yep. How did that work? That's what I'm saying. So I, I think yep. there's going to be some secondary options in the offense that get some opportunities here because Andy Reid's going to have some things drawn up for this defense to like throw, them, throw them off. Don't be shocked if the Chiefs have a convincing lead in the fourth quarter yeah. that you don't see a Chris Jones line up an offense on the end, in the red zone yep. like he did with the bloated pig with Don Terry Poe all those years ago. Yeah. There's something play, about Broncos primetime games because I think that was a Thursday yeah. night game that we faced them and we were blowing them out. It was like... Thirty-one to seven at that point, and he throws the touchdown. And yeah, I think it's a comfortable win for the Chris Chiefs, but it might that. not be the most exciting game. Yeah, offensively. All right, rush the ball. Chiefs. Yeah. So Chiefs win across the board. Uh, we have one more order of business to get to. I believe it's called Hold This L. L. We do each and every week as we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or not friendly. We promise you, who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports, those motherfuckers deserve it. Eddie's Mr. Yo Yo Yo, who's holding the L for you this week, and is it F one? No, it's not F one. It should be F one, but. No, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and do a W this this week, because earlier this week, I texted you guys and stuff like that, pictures, and uh, let you guys know that uh, the goat uh, won another uh, MVP award for for all of soccer, pretty much. Oh yeah. Um, number seven. That, that is his number seven record breaking. Uh, it broke his record of six, which was also record breaking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. It, I just don't think he's even close. Lionel he's chasing Me- himself at this yeah, point. Lionel Messi is just by far has been the greatest talent we've ever seen in soccer. A lot of people want to bring Cristiano Ronaldo, but Cristiano Ronaldo stuck at I believe at five or four. Can't remember. Uh, and he finished sixth this season. And he's at he's what thirty six years old I think. Mm. So I think his 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 run to chase Messi has come to an end. I, I think. Both both of their careers are are in a uh, on a decline. Um, obviously, Ronaldo's still doing his thing, uh, but he's become more of a um, like, like a, a tactic player. Oh yeah, yeah. He's not the guy anymore. Like he, I, he's the name, but he's mm-hmm. no longer the guy. Yeah. He, he's more of a tactic kind of player. His game slowed down a little bit. He's still scoring goals, like I said, but his his 
his his time his 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 game is uh you know with his age it's uh decreasing they're a numbered bit. yeah it, it's it's noticeable and people don't want to accept the fact that they're getting old they're both getting old mm-hmm. Messi I believe is 34 35 it's almost coming to that time where they both you know say okay this is it we don't see many soccer players making it to 40 uh and if we do they literally ride the bench they 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 don't start or anything uh i think the only guy that you can think of is uh, francesco totti and i believe he retired like at 40 41 uh but Gigi Buffon, he's i believe he's still playing uh so it, it's it's very 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 hard to see 40 year olds playing and obviously yeah, like I said, you will never see another player like Messi in your lifetime. Uh, I think it's something that, that you should enjoy watching, uh, all soccer fans. And even, even if you're not a soccer fan, if you're just a fan of, like, uh, greatness, mm. that's something to be, you know, you know, be happy that he's around when you're around. So, man, we got we to gotta take this shit, you know... Put in our memory bank. God, only, only if only Eddie could do that with LeBron James. I was going to say the same thing. Weird. Weird. I agree with that logic, Eddie. Let's keep that consistent, Eddie. Keep that energy. I do. MJ and then LeBron. <laughs> Tom, Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> so, I mean, it's there. So, yeah. But, yeah, man. Uh, Messi's going to get that W for me. The for sure, man. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week? Odell Beckham Jr. is going to hold the L. Um... <laughs> I know this has been a thing, I mean, the past few weeks for him. Um, you know, him bitching his way out of Cleveland, which was obviously I agree with him. It's not a great position to be in over there right now. It's They're falling flat on what should yeah, be. Kareem Hunt's dad posted shit on social media about really about uh, Odell? Baker Mayfield. Oh, about Baker? Yeah, yeah. Baker. It's, I think we all know Baker's time fair. is limited here. He's he's on his way out. I don't think he's getting an extension. He's going to be um, a journeyman, I think. I think he's going to turn him into the backup. Yeah. He's a great back. He's going to be like one of those Josh McCown type players, I think. He's going to be a solid like journeyman that, backup that's going to make his rounds. Like that. Uh, it sucks. Boy, you think? Possibly, I think he's better, a little bit better than those guys. I think yeah. Baker's a good he's gonna quarterback. Be a great, he's I think going to be a great backup. Ironically, somewhere. I think he's kind of like a Case Keenum, you know, who his backup is right now. Exactly. So I think they're the very similar <laughs> players. Yes. Yes. The, the, the upside is very limited, but they have a solid floor. Yeah. Those are those kind of guys. Are very vanilla. They can go in one year. Solid game. Clip hold, clipboard holder. Holders, <laughs> you know, in case he has a backup, I love. He's that. banged up too. I mean, Baker's had moments where he's, he's he was obviously very good in college. He's but, got like eleven touchdown passes in eleven games. Yeah, he's like. Well, that's, I mean, that's a very twenty fourteen Alex run Smith heavy offense. When you got Kareem Hunt and, and, and Nick Chubb, I mean, you don't need to throw Kareem the ball much. Um, but anyways, Odell worked his way out of Cleveland. You know, got his way into L.A. He's in Hollywood now. They've done nothing but lose three straight games since he's been there. Or they lost three straight, haven't they? The, two. Or two straight. No, they've only sure. two and one. Is it? Is it? It's lost. been three straight weeks. I know for Stafford, it's thrown three pick yeah. sixes. They lost to the 49ers, and then they lost to... Um, I, th- I thought they started off the season like seven and one, and they're seven and four now. Yeah, they've lost, they lost three straight, I think. With, with uh, Odell? Yeah. Let me see. So, no, because Odell's only played two games there, I believe. Yeah, they've lost three straight games. Well, oh. you know, Von Miller, since Von Miller's been there. Yeah. Yeah, they've lost. Yeah, so they lost the Titans, Niners, and then the Packers. Yeah, because uh, I don't think uh, Odell was there with the Titans. No, but it was since Von Odell Miller Odell did signed. finally have a good game against the Packers. I think he had 88 receiving yards and a touchdown. Five catches, 88 yards, and receiving touchdown. Kudos for that. That's great. That was in, pretty much in garbage time, and the game was already pretty much decided because the Packers put it on them. Um, the Packers, who I think are the best team in football right now. Uh, anyways, that's not even the real reason. After the game, you know, a lot of players like to switch jerseys, swap jerseys, oh. do their thing. 
I had to mention this, dude. This is so good because I love I love Devontae funny. Adams. This is funny. Devontae Adams, he he went up to Devontae Adams. You know, two. I'm pretty sure they're homeboys behind the scenes, but he wanted to, he wanted to do a jersey swap with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams gave him that cold shoulder and said, and then and he said uh, he said uh, he said this is this is I'm quoting Devontae Adams. He said. He said he needed a jersey after the game. I told him, go get Cooper Cup's jersey. He says, that's who you want to be with. Bro, That is if that's not an L, I don't know. After taking the L literally on the field, you could have been on the Packers team, which would have, in my mind, been the better choice right now. Um, imagine Aaron Rodgers having Devontae Adams and, and Odell. And, and Odell's not even 100% right now. He is banged up. You can see it. It's clear. And he's no longer a great wide receiver. He's not. He's not. And I love Odell. I've been a big fan of him since that catch. I mean, since he, his rookie year. Um, anyways, I, I try to support him. I try to, you know, be on the player's side. I try to hear him out. I try, But I, think, I just think this guy's a problem. And since he's... <laughs> Since the Rams have made those moves for him and Vaughn, like it just hasn't worked out, and it's it's that's I mean I'm pretty sure that'll that'll change and then they'll get they'll be back on track. But main reason I'm giving the L's for what Devontae did to him. I mean I know that's probably like a slight and a friendly way, but that's 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 rough, man. Because you know you, the team you avoided and the team you chose over the team that that team just beat you, and you just got gold shoulder from uh, uh, the better receiver. Um, so for that, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Do me a favor. And hold, hold this L. L. We were talking just a little bit ago about uh, the way the NFL changes and adapts to stay on top and, and be as successful and as great as it is because the NFL is king. And one of those uh, adaptations and adjustments have been how the running back position has been utilized in today's NFL. It, it, to me, has, I, I've always took, taken the stance that running backs as a whole are still very valuable, but the league has utilized that position much differently now, and it's more of a pass-friendly game over the last decade especially. But this year in particular has really shown us just how you really cannot and should not utilize uh, high draft pick quality or high draft pick assets and money on the running back position. Case in point, Derrick Henry is now out for the rest of the season. He's missed already the last three weeks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey for the second straight year has missed large amounts of time and is now out again for the rest of the season. Uh, uh, We have uh, Dalvin Cook from the Minnesota Vikings, a great running back, is going to miss more time now with a separated shoulder. Uh, Nick Chubb from the Cleveland Browns, one of the best running backs in football, has missed another large portion of the season. You have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The Chiefs took him in the first-round pick. Missed multiple games last year. Has missed multiple games again Very this year. Very volatile position. Yeah, there's so many names I could bring down, and I bring up those four guys in particular: Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Nick Chubb. It's because all of their teams gave those guys extensions and and very at a lucrative handsome, extensions. Handsome extension. Yes, and and now all four of those teams are dealing with currently or have this season dealt with their absences, and those offenses are predicated on their success. So. I have to give this L to the running back position because now they're conv- it's convincing me, and I'm always somebody that wants to be able to be right. Like you know, if I'm wrong about something, I learn from that mistake. And I've been somebody who's been pounding the table saying running backs are still very valuable in this league, and I still to a degree agree with that because I think the Titans would clearly be still the one seed in the AFC if they had a healthy Derrick Henry. But because of the fact that he I didn't think that gods could bleed. Now has bled. Yeah, it's starting to show injury. that this running back is you cannot pay those guys. You just can't. Because now that he's fallen, the Titan, literally the Titan is You can fallen. extend them, but not the way that they've been yeah, getting Yeah, the, the value contracts. of them has dropped. And so for that, running back position as a whole in the NFL, <laughs> do me a solid and hold this <laughs>
Yeah, it's, I agree, man. I do want to end the show off on a more sobering and serious note, though, and I hate when I have to do this, but unfortunately we live in a world where there's a lot of sadness and a lot of real things that happen, and I'm going to bring up a very uh, sobering and sad story. So we've heard um, out of Michigan this week that o- the Oxford High School had a shooting that involved, involved four lives being lost. And I... When I heard the story, it broke my heart already because you obviously don't want to ever hear about children losing their lives due to just sheer stupidity and madness. But the reason I wanted to bring it up on the show is because there was an athlete that was involved in this, and I wanted to acknowledge that athlete. First of all, the four names that were lost in this unfortunate shooting uh, was Madison Baldwin. Then we had uh, Hannah St. Juliana. And by the way, Madison, I'm sorry, Madison Baldwin was 17 years old. She was set to graduate this year. Madison Baldwin was 17. Hannah St. Juliana was 14. Justin Schilling was 17. And then uh, six other students were also shot. But the guy that I want I do want to specify on this is a player and a person by the name of Tate Muir. He was only 16 years old, and he was a stud athlete. He was a player that was very much well on his way of playing college football. And I want to just read a little bit from this uh, excerpt that CNN actually brought up when it came to when it come to Tate Muir and what they got from him. It's clear that Tate Muir was dedicated to his sport. He was a star football player who had earned a spot on the varsity team since he was a freshman at Oxford High School, the team said in a tweet. Not only was he talented on the field, he excelled academically and was an honor student. This is their quote from the high school. It is with great grief that one of the victims of this tragic event at OHS High School is one of our own, Tate Muir, the team tweeted Tuesday evening. Tate was a great young man with a bright future and beloved by all. You will be missed, Tate. Mir, in quote, uh, Mir's own Twitter account is full of game highlights and scrimmage videos showcasing his abilities. One of his last tweets on November 28th thanked the University of Toledo football team for having him at one of their games. A deputy after the shooting had loaded Mir into their car where he died on the way to the hospital, the sheriff said, quote, my life has been broken just like that. Ty Mir, who identified himself as Tate's older brother, wrote on Instagram, quote, never in my life will I feel this pain again. This still isn't right and it can't be. I miss you with everything in my heart, Tate. That I would do, uh, what I would do to see you one more time. In quotes, and he just goes on and on and on about the sadness of losing his brother. The point is, I'm not trying to bring the show down by this, but I, I wanted to bring attention to Tate Muir because of the fact that he was the one that tried to fight off the shooter. He went at that guy heroically, and Tate Muir is a hero for what he did. Um, I, I can't imagine because you always like try to put yourself in situations like if something like that was happening, what would you do? And me as a 33 year old man sitting here going, man, I would hope I would have the courage of a 16 year old kid like this to sit there and say that is beyond humbling. And it's so heartbreaking that people would take young people's lives like this. And, and for a guy like Tate Mir to put his own life on the line when his life hadn't even started yet is I, I can't even put it to words. It's humbling. But I wanted to end the show by putting that out there and saying that we here at the Spoken Podcast respect and admire the heart and the the courage that Tate Muir and his student fellow students put out there and trying to save other people's lives. And it's just a very unfortunate event. My heart is sincerely with the Muir family and the Oxford High School family, and I hope that you guys can get through this very, very challenging and heartbreaking time as well as you possibly can because I cannot imagine what that would be like. And I can't. 
can't imagine. I don't want to imagine it because I know that I would be struck with grief. And I just hope that his family knows that there are so many of us out here, are us three included, that love and support you guys with everything that we have. And I wanted to take this time on our platform to give you the respect you guys deserve and to, and to sit here and say that Tate Mir will forever be remembered as a hero because that's what he was and that's what he will forever be. So for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler, for everybody that control contributes to this, and Jason Dunn and his awesome family, can't wait to get to, to talking football with him next week. I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 145 of the Spoken Fe- Podcast is finished. It's done. It's finito. And until next week, when we're possibly and hopefully talking about another Chiefs victory, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to The Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.